0: If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.
1: Hi, I'm Ryan Murphy, Olympic gold medalist. You're watching Action Sports
2: Jacks. Really, the thought of it all got started when I going back to my bandy days. I studied sociology and just ever since then I've kind of grown a passion for you know poverty areas uh people going through poverty low-income areas and um so actually last year I did an event back in my hometown Chattanooga, Tennessee where I fed um a couple hundred people at a soup kitchen you know since then I've kind of made it a statement in my mind to try to do something like that every year where I can try to help out you know a community that is going through those kind of things and
0: That's Trey Herndon on a call with the local media earlier today as we do everything via Zoom. (laughs) So we appreciate the Jags making Trey Herndon uh, available. Interesting note on Trey Herndon, the Jaguars cornerback, who really had a nice season last year uh, filling in, especially when Jalen Ramsey went out. I don't think there was much expectation for him. And he might have been their best corner. A lot of people still don't think A.J. Boye played well. I, I beg to differ that he played as poorly as everybody says he did, but... Uh, that's a different story and one that really doesn't matter anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Because he's not here. Interesting, though, A.J. Boye and uh, Herndon are working out together. Nice. Or, you know, in the same vicinity because he's up in Georgia, and so is A.J. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that tutelage continues because I asked him on the call, I said, you know, you grew up around these guys. He he spoke very highly of Jalen Ramsey, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was his locker mate, which maybe someday down the road, maybe I'll do a story with Herndon. Because Herndon, kind of this quiet guy, it's a silent assassin, and he got to listen to everything that Jalen Ramsey and the media no, <laughs> had sure. dish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> over the last couple of years, right? Yeah, uh, which must have been pretty wild. Yeah. Like, what a wild experience, kind of just listening in and watching, uh, if you will, as that guy right next to the locker. I think about that a lot, you know, when you have some of those personalities or guys that you go to in the locker room. And what about the guy right next to that guy? It's almost like they need two lockers, some of them, the Calais Campbells of the world, Leonard. When you gather around, you're taking up somebody else's space. Uh, And most of the guys are pretty cool about it. But uh, uh, it can be tight headquarters in there.
3: It's funny. When you talk about, you know, the, the secondary position, more specifically the, you know, the cornerback spot, it's either two sides, you know, it's two drastic differences. Either you're the Jalen Ramsey type and you talk and you're on an island and it's all eyes on me and then you embrace the trash talk, or it's like a Rasheen Mathis where you're a hell of a football player, but you you kind of let your play do the talking a little more. Obviously, um, Trey Herndon falls in the latter. You know, I compare, like, uh, I put Charles Tillman, you know, peanut. Uh, like, Charles Tillman, you know, one of the best guys to do in the secondary didn't really say that much on the field. You know, like he he let us play do the talking. But it's just it's such an interesting position where you're always showcased. You're always put on the island. And as soon as you make a mistake, people are going to know about it. And either the guys want to talk a lot or they keep it low key.
0: Yeah. And he is a low key. Guy. Low key. Uh, and, and, so and so is Jared A.J. And I think A.J. Boyle Boyle was the same. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. And, uh you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, it doesn't. You just described two different kind of players and you can be successful doing either one. Sure. And I think like a lot of folks, uh, like Jalen needed to do that to get him going. And, and I can appreciate that too. Richard Sherman, you, know, you could say you sure, gotta saying, do that a little yeah, bit. You gotta get, you gotta feel some of that juice, yeah. you know? Same time, Duro Rivas didn't really do that that much. No. You know, he's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. So. It's a good point. And yeah. so I, 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 respect that. However, whatever gets you ready and right, right into the frame of the mind, right? Uh, that's, that's, uh, important to do. Uh, but Trey – so how good is Trey Herndon, man? I mean, do we know? Uh Are the Jags just really taking a bit of a flyer here on a guy that still is unproven but had – I would say pretty decent fourteen games. You gotta remember about the Jags last year. Not too many teams attacked them over the uh, passing game. They were attacked in the run game, uh they trailed in a lot of games. So the heat wasn't on the passing defense of the Jags a ton. I never felt that. Now you could give me a time or two, but I just didn't feel like that. Uh mostly because some of those bad, bad run games uh that they gave up. Is he any good? You think he's good?
3: Listen, I think when we talk about a guy who made a lot of progress from his rookie year to his second year, I mean, that that was, you know, that was playing his day. You could see that. The real question now is, I mean, how is he going to respond, essentially, in a leadership role? Okay, because right now in free agency, Brent, they don't really have anybody else. I mean, yeah, they, they, they brought in like the cat from uh, Detroit and everything like that. We'll see what he does. But overall, Trey Hernan's been there the longest, and Jackson on the second, you know, from a cornerback position. So he's essentially the leader right now. So he goes from last year from stepping up to being from a rookie and learning, you know, and kind of taking all that starting gig for Jalen Ramsey to now essentially the way it stands right now, being the guy. Now we'll see what happens in the draft and maybe the Jaguars address that early. But I'm just saying right now it's another upgrade for Jalen because not only does he have to perform as a one you know, corner and take the best wide receiver out of the game, but he also has to be a leader right now. And just because he's not vocal doesn't mean he can't be a great leader. i play with plenty of guys who weren't vocal. But my, my worry is, is it going to be too much for his plate? You know what I mean? Is it going to be too much too soon for him, especially a guy who, you know, he's gradually getting better, gradually getting better. But obviously the Jaguars expect him to take a giant leap into this season.
0: Yeah, no doubt. They're going to need him. And that's the thing, man. What do they need him to do? Do they need him to take this big leap? Do they need him to be a superstar? Or can he just be a solid corner, do the job, and make a play here or there, but don't give up the big play? You know, they have refocused their defense a little bit to stop the run. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doug Marone was adamant about that when he met with us a couple weeks ago, and I think some of their moves dictate that, and I think we'll see more of that in the draft. If If you add the tea leaves up, I think it means big man up front, based on what they are trying to do. They want to stop the run. They got Joe Schobert in at middle linebacker. They feel like they upgrade the run game because of Schobert and what he's able to do. Then they add some pieces that at least plug some holes for Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius. But I think they're going to even try to beef that up a little bit more they are going to put more emphasis on how they can stop the run, create third and alongs, because everybody's successful on third and long, whether you're a great defense or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> third and long tough for, for an offense. Uh, I, I would, so do they need to be great? Do they need to be dynamic in the back end, I guess?
3: They absolutely need to, okay? Because if we were to break down 32 NFL teams right now, and we break them down to see are they a pass-first team or are they a run-first team, you think there's more pass-first teams in the NFL, or more
0: run-first teams? Yeah, it's pass-first.
3: Exactly. Yeah. So, say no more. You know, I mean, I get it. You play in the AFC South Division where one can argue the Colts are a run-first team. Obviously, the Titans are a run-first team. We'll see now with David Johnson Houston, they could be a run-first team. So, that's great that you're attacking your division and planning on stopping the run. But at the same time, on the grander scheme of things, this will, this will always be a pass-first league right now. And you got to keep that in mind when you're building your secondary
0: Yeah, here's the thing what's interesting, okay, is how they build it, too. You can go – Jalen Ramsey, bona fide guy, right? Top five pick. You knew he was a stud. He was a five-star guy, Florida State. uh, He he was good. He was always good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he always will be good, probably. A.J. Boy a totally different route. Undrafted, out of UCF. Kind of didn't do much, and then all of a sudden emerged uh, with the Houston Texans right in time to kind of be a free agent, and bam. Mm -hmm. And then – Again, good few years with the Jags. It was a good signing. I mean, heck, he had an all-pro year. So uh, or was that an all-pro year or a pro-bowl year? It was definitely a pro-bowl year. I, I don't know if he made all-pro that year or not. Now it slips my mind. Either he should have or he did. Maybe he was second-team all-pro, I think uh, I, I want to say. Uh, because some people will argue, by the way, in 17, and then numbers could back it up depending on how much you rely on pro football focus and others. Mm-hmm. And Boye actually had the better year statistically mm-hmm. than Jalen. Now, what I would always say to that, with all due respect to A.J. Boye, is Ramsey was getting the best guy every time, man. I mean, he and, and a lot of times they wouldn't want to go his way because of what he was doing. He was that respected. So that's part of it, too. But they they invested a lot of dollars in free agency in the top five pick to get that tandem which at the time was the best in the NFL, or at least arguably the best in the NFL. Well, there's other ways to do it. Go back to Seattle in 2013 when everybody was talking about the Legion of Boom, and they had others, right? They had Earl Thomas and they had Cam Chancellor. They were good all around. Their defense was fantastic. Yeah. But at the corner spot, they had a guy named Richard Sherman mm-hmm. out of Stanford who was a fifth-round pick. Yeah. They had a guy named Brendan Browner who came from the CFL. And they were able to make it happen. I guess that's what got me thinking a little bit today. Could Trey Herndon be the Jaguars' Brandon Browner? Sure. An undrafted guy that they found and hit on. And we look back and be like, wow, what a heck of a signing that. What a heck of a, a, a signing as an undrafted free agent. They groomed him, uh, and bam, he took off. I mean, that's the kind of luck you need in the NFL to be good. That's the kind of luck good teams get. I'm not saying if if Trey Herndon is good and they hit on him, Jags are going to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying you need moves like that to hit right. once in a while. Those are what I would consider lucky. If you thought he was going to be that good, then you would have drafted him in the third round at the very least. Mm-hmm. But Seattle got lucky. They got Richard Sherman and Brandon Browner, fifth round pick and a CFL guy. That's what the Jaguars need to do. Could he be one of those guys? I guess that's my curiosity here today a little bit after we were talking to him. He, he very well could be. You know, like you said,
3: Sherman went the, the, the third round. Um, wait, did he go third or fifth? He went fifth round. Sherman, went, Sherman went fifth. fifth, fifth yeah. round. Uh, James Bradbury, now with the Giants, signed a big contract went in the second round. Josh Norman, who at the time was one of the best corners in the league for a little bit, went in the fifth round as well. So, I mean, you know, these circumstances have, have always happened. Can Trey Herndon be that guy? I think he can be that guy if you surround him with the right guys around him. Okay. Because I say that because Richard Sherman, yes, Richard Sherman, um, th- the big thing about Richard Sherman, why he fell so much was the fact that nobody considered him a cover guy. Like he, he-, he wasn't a man to man guy. He was good at zone coverage, but as far as man to man, he was lacking. And people didn't think that he had the speed to keep up with, you know, that press coverage. Well, the Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll said, well, you know what? We don't necessarily need him to be the best man-on-man guy right from the get-go. All we need Richard Sherman to do is fit our system. What is Richard Sherman? Richard Sherman has long arms. Um, you know, he, he has kind of like this, I don't say cockiness, but he has like this confidence about him. He has this attitude about him, exactly what the Seattle Seahawks were looking for. So, yeah, Sherman may not have been the, the top corner on everybody's board. But he was a top corner, I guarantee, for Pete Carroll and how they do things in Seattle, and that's why they picked him. So you have to ask yourself, what does Trey Hernan bring to the table for your team, and can he help out? I think he can do drastic things, Brian. I think Trey Herndon can can be the guy. The problem is, though, is you don't have the cam chancellors in the backfield, okay? You don't have the guys around him, in the secondary. Not to say that they can't get there because they're pretty young themselves, you know, obviously with uh, Ronnie Harrison and everything. But I just think when you have these star corners taken late in the draft... It's because you surround them with greatness.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really good explanation. I, I guess it uh, just piqued my curiosity today. I understand they're not as good as they have been. I understand there's gaping holes back there. I just wonder, with a guy like Herndon, if you he can hit on that, and then you go draft one, maybe in the second round, and you get that guy who you think is going to be pretty good, to go along with D.J. Hayden. Ronnie Harrison, some people believe, could be really good. I think others are a little sketchy on it right now. And Jared Wilson, you could certainly upgrade. But he did play every snap last year. He was reliable in that sense. Yeah. Uh, when you redo things, you have to replenish, and you have to hit on it. You have to be right. That's why I continue to say the Jags can flip this pretty quick. There's a huge if here, and I understand the hesitation with the if. I don't know what the percentage is. I'm kind of putting it at 70%. percent you got to hit on 70% of of your moves. You're going to miss. It's going to happen. But can you hit on 7 out of 10 of them? Well, then you might fix it quick, and you might be able to replenish, reload and do all those kind of things. When we come back, we begin a little discussion of local golf with a guy who's a big sports fan. So we'll talk more than golf. Billy Horschel, he joins us next on ESPN six ninety.
2: With this virus going on right now, um, you know, trying knowing that I am a part of another community now, uh, Northeast Florida, I feel helping them in any kind of way. Those who may have not be as fortunate to use money for meals, having to use it. You know, for hand sanitizers and all different kinds of supplies, toilet paper. Uh, And I felt it was a great opportunity for me to help out in the community that I'm a part of. So that's kind of where everything came
0: from with that. That's Jaguars quarterback Trey Herndon talking to us today about helping out feeding Northeast Florida and buying meals uh, for folks here in Northeast Florida, Jacksonville area, uh, who are less fortunate at this time. And so many efforts uh, happening around the country And a lot of it happened and started right here in Jacksonville when you think about feeding the hunger – because of the Players' Championship mm-hmm. and because of our next guest, uh, Billy Horschel, was a big part of that. He has always been an ambassador for Feeding Northeast Florida, has done so many great things uh, with them. So we'll ask him about it in just a moment. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, here on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We've been having these celebrations of local sports days. Last week it was Jatsville Iceman and UNF Day. Uh, we'll have all the local teams uh represented here over the next couple weeks and months today given master's week is here and it's not happening i thought hey how about local golf day it's a huge golf area underrated in the world not just here in the state or in the country but in the world and we have some of the best talents that reside right here in jacksonville and that includes billy horschel member of the pga tour five-time winner as well thanks for joining the show man i hope you and your family are doing well staying safe and uh probably have a little cabin fever by now right
4: yeah, thanks, Brent. Thank, thanks. Awesome. Roger having me on. Yeah, cabin fever is, uh, is a great term. Um, I'm not used to being, I think the longest I've been home, uh, at one period of time is probably three weeks, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, it's probably in the last 10 years. So, uh, I'm going my fourth week, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I have to, um, for me, you know, being in season and, and Tokyo and I had to quickly, I just the mindset I had uh, going into it, knowing this could be a long, we could be in this fight for for a while. So I had to get out of my golf mode. Um, something I, I've gotten better as I've gotten older, but I still am in it. And so I had to get out of my golf mode, not even think about golf, not even trying to focus it on, and just focus on the kids, the family, and, and enjoying this time with them. And and it's been really enjoyable. It's, it's like Groundhog Day around here every day. <laughs> um because i mean we do the same thing i go on a walk with my my little man at eight thirty, nine o'clock and then you know we go on a bike ride in the afternoon with all the all the kids and we have breakdowns and meltdowns and <laughs> kids fighting and everything going on <laughs> but and and i i think our my wife and i uh we, we 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 try to see who can whose patience can last the longest that's our game a little bit but uh But it's been a really fun time, and it's been really enjoyable, even in a uh, a situation that we are in right now.
3: Billy, obviously being a, a professional athlete, you have to find something to have the outlet of competitiveness, right? And a little bit about myself, I'm a former uh, you know, I, I played for the Jaguars for three years here, former NFL player, now I'm a current MMA fighter, and I'll be honest with you, man, when I hear about golfers I don't consider, you know, golfers to be maybe the best of athletes, obviously you guys are good at swinging the club, but then, I saw your Peloton stats, okay, and it completely blew me away, so can you talk a little bit about the whole Peloton thing that you've been doing and obviously Roy McIlroy and I was the kind the guy to beat. It seems like. Are you worried that you're going to have an injury if you try to beat him uh, with some of the sets that he's putting up lately? <laughs>
4: um, so I got a, the Peloton bike. I've had one for about four years. Pretty much right around the time the company got started. Uh, I was moving into my new house and I built the gym and I wanted some. Some. And I've got every a, a lot of fitness equipment, but I wanted uh, a stationary bike and. Um, I just. Found Peloton online. I'm like, you know, let me get it. So I've had it throughout the years and I've done some workouts, but this has been something that I've done a lot lately. Uh, I used to do, I have a treadmill, a woodway treadmill, and I do a lot of sprints, but, uh, I can't do nearly as many sprints. My knees bother me a little bit. And so the bike's been great. And I, Rory and I've talked about actually before we went to suspension or postponement here for our season, we've talked about the last couple months about training him right on the Peloton, and I've seen some of his numbers, and, and so this is just a perfect time to say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna go see where I, I stand with him, and, and, uh, he's really good. He is really good. He's, he's probably the most fit guy on tour. I would say the other guy would probably be Scott Stallings. Huh. Um, everyone thinks Brooks Kepka, yeah, Brooks Kepka can lift some weights, uh, I don't know beyond that what his fitness level is, um, you know, it's just everyone's different. Um, but Roy takes care of his body really well. Scott Stallings takes care of his body really well. So yeah, it was it was a challenge. And I want to see where I can stand. And uh, he's gotten me a couple times, and I actually was able to get him on on Saturday, in and, and a ride. And I'm not too worried about hurting myself. I'm I'm pretty um, I'm pretty smart in what I do. And but uh, I want to I want to get to a point where. Uh, I can be considered, I mean, I take care of my body really well, but to what Scott and Roy does is just a different level. And I feel like I can up my game a little bit, which will help improve my game. Um, so I've been really focusing hard on my, my fitness a little bit and, and still getting the competition side out of it with the Peloton riding the bike and everything. And it's been a lot of fun and it's taken off. I mean, we, it was just something that I was doing you know, sharing what I was trying to do with Rory and challenge Rory a little bit and some other tour players. Um, And then next thing you know, it's taken off and it's got its own life where people around the country and around the world are just so excited that we're riding. They can ride with us and they can see our numbers and and we share our numbers. And and people are like, hey, thanks for getting me back on the bike or this is a really great time for me to, you know, you know, relieve stress. And this has really been really helpful. So, It's just really cool. Something that we didn't even think about doing or wasn't our initial plan has grown into something that can be very beneficial to so many people.
3: Well, and how much pressure is it on you, right? Because you have, you know, like you said, I mean, it's big all over Twitter. People are trying to, you know, follow along with you and trying to beat your stats and everything. Like, how much pressure is it on you knowing that there's people all around the country right now that are trying to beat you in this Peloton bike? Like, Does that kind of add a little extra incentive for you to work hard? Oh,
4: oh oh hell yeah yeah last thing i want to do is i want to have some i don't want to have some some, some joe schmo off the road you know just kicking my ass and, and then then people think well wow these guys really aren't athletes and i consider myself an athlete i, I grew up playing multiple sports and and um, i come from a very athletic background with my dad and uncles playing college football and and my brother playing uh college baseball so I come from a very athletic family so When people say golfers aren't athletes, they don't see us in that light. I'm like, man, I wish they could see some things that we can do Mm -hmm. outside what they see us do on TV and swing a golf club.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of folks uh, think that way on the golf course, much like NASCAR drivers are like that, too. I think that sometimes people don't consider them athletes and and then look at what they do outside of the sport. And uh, you, you then would think differently. Billy Horsha with us, Jacksonville resident, former Florida Gator. I wanted to ask you about that, man. You are one of the best cheerleaders for the Florida Gators out there. Do you lo- I mean, all sports though, not just golf, but all sports. Yeah. I mean, you really, you, you love it. You get it. You, you've you talked to teams. Uh, you love all the coaches over there on campus. You stay connected. Have you always been a huge sports fan? And, and what are some of the other teams that you root for? Uh, if so?
4: Yeah, I've always been a, a Florida Gator fan. Uh, I grew up as one and so it was a dream come true to, to go to the university of Florida. And, and I, I'm just a fan of sports in general and, and athletes in general. I when you compete at the level that that I did or even Austin did you 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 have a lot of respect for when players and other teams are competing at the highest level because you know what it takes to to be great in your sport and you know what it takes they you know what it takes to be great in any sport um you understand the time and the commitment and 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 the dedication you've got to have and so um I follow all Gator sports. I'm very aware of what every team is usually doing throughout the year, what uh, some of the athletes, how some of the players on those teams are really doing. Uh, I'm not afraid to mix it up with fans as well, even Gator fans. I, sometimes I think our, our, you know, fans in general can be a little um, – uh, their, their expectations can be a little high, and they don't understand – um, fully, you know, what these kids are going, you know, putting in the time to, what these coaches are trying to do to be great. In. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. And, and regular fans don't understand that. And, and the fan, and especially fans that, that haven't competed at a high level. Listen, you played high school baseball. You know, that's great. Anything in high school, I'm not going to knock you for that, but you still don't understand the competition level when you go from high school to college and you go from college to professional sports. It's a, it's a big jump. And so. Um, I, I've tried, I've put my, you know, put some Florida fans back in their place and and I've told them, Hey, you know, just shut up. And if, if you don't like it, you're not a true Florida Gator fan. You're not supporting them through and through, in my opinion. Um, the other, I would say Florida Gators are by far the biggest sports team I follow. Um, I, I follow, uh, I grew up a Boston, a Boston area sports fan because of my dad's buddies being around them. So I've always followed the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics. Um, those are sports. I mean, the Red Sox being the biggest team that I've always pulled for, Um Tim Wakefield grew up in my area. So Tim Wakefield is a really good friend of mine, but baseball being a baseball fan, I was always a massive Red Sox fan. Um And then, you know, living in the area now for 11, 10, 11 years now here in Jacksonville, I've, I've become a Jaguars fan. I pull for a team. I, I, I'm very aware of what the players do. I want to, I want to see the team do well in, in, in Jacksonville and, and succeed. So, um, I, I can't say that uh, outside the Florida Gators, I'm I'm a diehard anything. Maybe the Red Sox being the closest, but I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of coaches and I'm a fan of of, of the players. You know, uh, uh, just because I know the the work that goes into. Like I'm a big fan of Sean McVay and, and what he's done so far. And you know, when I think of other players and other sports and other leagues, uh, you know, if I think of football right now, obviously Tom Brady comes comes to comes to mind, but I think Patrick Mahomes is an unbelievable player. So it's just guys like that, guys that I know that are really trying to be the best player they possibly can, and they're giving every little bit of themselves, making sacrifices to be the best. And by, by them being the best they can, they're trying to make their team better at the same time.
3: Billy, speaking of you know professional athletes, or and you're a guy that's played a lot of sports, you can probably attest to this a little bit. I've always been curious because I've golfed a couple of times and used to say it didn't go so well. I think I shot a what a 120 last yeah, time. Right? A 121. That was the full 19. Nice, 18. nice hey, odd beat 121. But yeah, actually I beat a producer, so I had that going for me. But you know, obviously, like there's NFL players that golf. You know, Steph Curry, there's NBA players that golf. In your you know, in your expertise. What athlete, like what sport, would you think translates the best to golf? Like uh, if, if, I know this one. If you're taking like a pro athlete and trying to teach them the, the sport of golf, what sport are you taking?
4: So the the two sports that I think that are easiest to translate to to the golf is, is hockey, yes. or baseball, um, oh. just because of the rotational aspect of it. When you think about, you know, playing football, you guys are always linear. You're moving in a straight line or side to side line. You're not really rotating your bodies. BBs, obviously you rotate your hips, but you're not really rotating everything. You're you're hitting someone straight on. So when you're thinking about the hockey where you're rotating everything into, to create power into the shot or the baseball swing, the batter, when he's up there and he rotates, he's rotating just the same way a golfer would be. It's just on a different plane. Um, as we would say, where you know how you swing hockey being the closest plane, or how you swing the club on a plane. So those two sports translate the most. I say hockey being being by far the the closest one, Absolutely. and that's why hockey that translates like an athlete. <laughs> that's why when you see athletes like lebron james or other foot, other great athletes and you're like man this guy's athletic and you see him try to swing a golf swing they don't know how to rotate their body because that's not what they've done their entire life Charles so that's Barkley. why they have trouble doing it so
0: you are right on i have said this for a long time billy i don't know if i've ever met a hockey player that is actually bad at golf I mean, they get yeah. in the in the slot because <laughs> of the slap shot, yeah. uh, and it, it just seems like a natural transition. Now, again, man, I guess I was never that good at hockey well, you though. You played, played golf like, enough. I guarantee yeah, yeah. you, if you played a little bit more, maybe because of your hockey days, although yeah. you might have been a bruiser instead of a slap shot hey, guy. Hey, I, I was a left wing man. <laughs> I, I, I had speed and I had a nice slap shot.
3: Don't sell me short
0: now. Uh, hey, it is Masters week, so let's talk about it. You're in the field. I want to ask you: Do you like the fact that they've frozen the field, even though it's now going to be in November and Give us your thoughts, man, on the whole calendar change. Do you like it?
4: Yeah, I, I think they had to freeze the field if they didn't, and they allowed everyone to um, who would win or qualify up until the, the November date now. You have a massive field. And then on the backside of that, in the, the original when April 21 comes around for the Masters, um, you have an, a smaller field because all those winners that would have won after the original 2020 Masters in April that would qualify. Now they're in this one in November. So it's a smart thing to do. There's less daylight too, in November. So, um, it's a smart thing to do. It's the right thing to do, in my opinion. Um, the schedule, I think it's, uh, it, it's really good. I mean, it's still, it's tough. There's, there's a lot of tournaments making sacrifices. Players are going to have to sacrifice and make this t- some tough decisions. Some events that they're, they're used to playing, they're not going to be able to play. PGA Tour schedule hasn't come out. Hopefully, here in the next maybe week, we we're, we're we're find out um, what that schedule is going to look like. I, I've talked a lot with the tour, and I'm on I'm on our um, player advisory committee. So it's been a very big challenge to try and put together the 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 remainder of the year and, and and the fall, just because there's so many unknowns, and and if we go down this road, there's so many things that branch off from that road. You know, with eligibility for tournaments and everything else so it's been it's been a challenge for a tour i as I've talked to um, to many of the executives there I, I don't don't envy them because they're just working their 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 butts off right now trying to 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 do what's best for the players in the tour so but I'm excited whenever we do get back to play golf it's going to be great uh, I talked to some other athletes in, in other sports and I, I think we all have the same mindset that we we want to get back to playing but we also we understand that sport has always been a great um, when whenever there's a tragedy in the world or something, you know, unfortunate going on in the world, sport has always been there to take our minds off um, whatever that issue may be for how you know for a few hours, and some people can just you know focus just enjoy the game of of, of golf or football or whatever they're watching, um, and we haven't had that. So the sooner we can get back and the sooner we can get back to a little bit of normalcy and give people some break from this this crazy pandemic that we're going through. Um, I think we're all we're all really excited about that.
0: Billy Horschel, uh, professional golfer, Jacksonville resident, Florida Gator, and uh, always kind enough to join us here at Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this uh, a thought or two about feeding Northeast Florida. You have been such a good ambassador for them. You have helped uh, far before this pandemic for years and years. Uh, we've done so many stories with you about feeding Northeast Florida. And like I said at the top, uh, you know, you guys really kicked this off the Players Championship. Uh, was brilliant with what they did with all that excess food and helping out feeding northeast florida uh we actually and, and this said no relationship with you coming on the show but we just launched this week with action news jacks on the tv side on cbs 47 and fox 30 and all of our radio stations here um, an effort to have a virtual food drive for feeding northeast florida and uh, folks can go to espn 690.com for more information on that but give us an update man how is the work uh, is, is it is it feeding people? Is it working these last few weeks? And how tough it is? Is it out there right now uh, for those that uh, uh, are hungry?
4: First off, let me say thank you for for what you guys are doing with the virtual food drive and ESPN. That's that's awesome. It's very much needed. Uh, you know, it's a challenge. I mean, when the players got canceled, I knew that. Um, you know, it was it was awesome that the the players, the PJ Tour, um, the Players Committee. Uh, Tournament Staff Committee, uh, you know, they they supported the Feeding Northeast Florida for for many years now. Um, But it was awesome that they were able to donate 22 tons of food, $700,000 worth of food. Um, That goes a long way in our community. Um, We've made a lot of progress from when I uh, came on as an ambassador and wanted to help this organization, this foundation, this charity Uh, in 2014. We made a lot of progress to making our community more food secure. Um, but unfortunately, I could never imagine that, uh, you know, we'd be in a situation now, just not in, in Northeast Florida, but around the entire country where we have 10 million people that are unemployed right now. Um, that's a massive number. And then whenever the, the, the number for this week comes out, that number is going to grow. I mean, that number could be, you know, another two, five, seven million more, uh, Americans in unemployment. And if people, when they think about local food banks, do we feed homeless people? Yes. But there's many more people beyond just homeless. There's a lot of people that don't, don't realize that there's people working two or three jobs trying to make ends meet for their family, and, and they're, they're paying the electrical bill, paying the medical bill, paying car insurance, paying their car payment. And usually the last thing that's left on the burner is food. And so it's feeding Northeast Florida and, and then feeding America around, around the U.S. do a great job of helping supplement for those people when they don't have you know, the, in the, the, the means to, to buy food for the family and everything. And there's a lot of children right now that, um, would be going to school and be getting meals, um, that they normally get. Well, they're not having those meals now because schools are all closed. So more children are going to need food. So it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. There's a lot of people that have stepped up in the community. Um, there, uh, some, uh, the former, I think the president or CEO of CSX. Um, I think I just saw donated, um, I want to say $250,000 to, to feed Northeast Florida. Um, I think that's the number, um, just a couple of days ago. So that's, that's a massive help, um, in the sense that when people think about the number, if you donate one dollar, that equals six meals. So him donating $250,000, um, I can't do the math too quickly because I want to make myself, it's <laughs> what that, it's, uh, it's, a lot. it's, 1.5 million meals. Yeah. 1.5 million meals. So that's a big number. That's huge. That's going to help our community so much. The Northeast Florida community so much. So um, we need food. We need money. If you're in a in a position where you can donate some dollars, like five dollars, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it goes a long way. If everyone's donating some five dollars here, five dollars there, it just goes a long way. So we are we are in a, a, a battle just like uh, everyone else is over this pandemic. We're in a battle of trying to help feed. Um, the feeding uh, northeast florida community and there's going to be more people due to um the unfortunate circumstances of this pandemic and losing jobs and everything else so we've got a long way to go we're doing a good job and then everyone over there susan king the ceo of of, um feed northeast florida she's unbelievable so there's a lot of hard working people trying to you know take care of help people out in this community and and it's great to see everyone come together.
0: Hey, man, keep up the good work. We appreciate all you do uh, on and off the golf course. And and part of today, kind of celebrating local golf. I think there's a ton of pride around here uh, with all you professional players, especially when we see you on top of leaderboards and, and uh, you know, making some noise and winning golf tournaments. We're going to have Jim Furyk on and Russell Knox on a little bit later on in the program. So we appreciate you stopping by. Hope uh, hope the family's well and be safe and and look forward to you playing in the second half of the year
4: sounds good. Thanks boys and you guys stay safe as well.
0: Alright, uh, that's man. Billy Horschel, Jacksonville native Florida Gator, uh, does some amazing work with Feeding Northeast Florida and you can help out too, uh, just a little bit more on what you can do with our virtual food drive and you can help in a variety of ways but this is just another outlet go to ESPN690.com $40 provides 10 snack packs to children in need, $100 help provide 4 family boxes. $250 help provide 10 family boxes in need. But just like Billy said you can donate any amount, from $5 to five hundred to five hundred thousand, whatever it is, uh, just check it out at ESPN690.com and help feed the hungry here in Northeast Florida. We appreciate all the work that they are doing as well. More local golf talk coming up a little bit later on. Jim Furick will join us in the four o'clock hour. But let's get back to some football talk right after this. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690.
2: I definitely feel like last season was a step for me. Just with getting experience, I feel like in this league, you can study, you can, you know, do the extra drills as much as you want. It all comes with experience. So getting those game reps, those live game reps, those, you know, crunch time games scenarios that you put in. I feel like that's where I'm starting to excel as a player, just getting comfortable on the field, getting used to the game speed, everything's slowing down for me. So, uh, yeah, right after... uh Super Bowl. I started to tap into, you know, the small things I needed to fix. Some notes wrote written down.
0: Trey Herndon, the Jaguars quarterback, uh, on a call with us earlier today. I like that the Jags uh, PR folks are helping making some of those guys available, uh, you know, every now and again. And I would assume we'll still have our pre-draft news conference <laughs> yeah. via zoom or skype uh coming up uh, probably sometime next week i would think now that we're a couple of weeks away from the nfl draft so we appreciate the jaguars uh making that happen and and you know it's a very interesting time and, and like i've said a, a, a lot i think it's a it's one of the most important times in my career to actually document <laughs> sports yeah, <laughs> like I, I think that's always our job in some respect. I guess I kind of don't consider myself on that high of a horse to say I'm the one documenting sports for you. He's a hero, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I really don't out there, brave in the
3: elements yeah. every single day. I'll leave that up trying to, to the, bring stories to you to the chefters
0: of the world and everybody <laughs> else. I guess you know. Yeah but I do think this time period is, especially on a local level, I think it's as valuable as it's ever been and and I bet I would get a lot of people to disagree with me, but I think as we look back on this in a handful of years, 10 years, 15 years that's the way I'm looking at this time I mean, how can we tell stories? How can we document it? These Skype and Zooms and people are like, what the heck happened to that audio? Why was that audio so bad? Well, this is what happened What happened to your connection? Well, hey, you know what? It happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, you kind of go back in time in so many different ways, but technology helps kind of keep us in time you know uh it, it's a beautiful thing at least that if we're going to go through this we're doing it with the, the amount of technology that we do have mm-hmm. uh so it's been really a fascinating fascinating time from i guess my perspective uh, in terms of what we do mm-hmm. uh here on the radio it hasn't changed too too much other than we don't have daily activity going on i feel like we continue to have daily topics and we're doing some fun things like this uh celebrating local golf uh for and and local sports teams and local colleges which we'll continue to do. Uh We're going to get to Tom Brady in a moment mm-hmm. and uh interview with Howard Stern earlier yeah, today, yeah, which I awesome. guess – I'm not a big Stern guy. My buddy, my best friend, he is a huge Howard Stern guy. Sure, like, yeah. Like, religious howard yeah, stern I mean, guy he's so got i got a huge like following though. oh well, i know he's huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but i feel like i know stern and what his show is all about i almost have listened to his show just because of my buddy <laughs> sure i mean he is religious about it uh which is which is cool i mean that's what stern has built you
3: of know of course man
0: but i guess they've been working on this brady interview for a long long time which i don't understand i mean if you want if you're howard stern do you really have to work on an interview I feel like you can get whoever you want. Like, I mean, literally, like,
3: (laughs) Howard Stern is, like, the king of radio. You know, like, sometimes we kind of get bogged down with sports radio a little bit. We think of the big sports radio guys. Yeah. But I'm talking about in the landscape of radio in general – Howard Stern is
0: the king. Absolutely. Uh, Hey, a couple of things on the local golf front. I asked the question earlier today, what's your favorite golf course in the area? There's so many good golf courses. This area is unbelievable. Terry says Atlantic Beach. Wayne says Northampton. Again, underrated up there at Northampton. Hyde Park. Oh, Donald Ross design. If he gave me $5 million, okay? If you give me five million dollars and just drop it down, and I know these are tough times for that kind of thing, so I'd yeah. probably help people more than do this. But sure. it, say we're rocking and rolling again, and things are going well, and mm-hmm. everybody's in good shape, and the unemployment line isn't as long as it's ever been, mm-hmm. uh, I would take that uh, some of that five million. If you could say do anything with it, and we'll give you another five for for your family and everything else. Okay. You might want to take it to Hyde Park. Okay. And and just throw a boatload of money into it. And bring back yesteryear with that Donald Ross design. I mean, it mm. is, it's a, from a golf course perspective, it's a, it's a throwback to like the 19, Ben Hogan played there, made an 11 on one of the holes there. So, mm. I mean, that will tell you, it's got that historic sense to it. Uh, and obviously over the years has not kept up with the times as much, but some of the folks that have, have tried to do it from a local level have done a fantastic job maintaining, and it's still a heck of a fun course to play. If you play golf, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so that was a, that's a good call in Hyde Park. Uh, Brian McGuire says, private Tim or Deerwood, public Jack's Beach or Hyde Park, semi-private St. John's or Southampton, both always in great shape, resort TPC or PV Ocean, uh, Nine Hole or Palm Valley, close the ravines. A lot of people mentioned the old ravines course. That's before my time. I think it closed just before I got here. And by the way, Brian, make sure I don't ask you where to go to dinner. You're like my wife. I asked you what your favorite <laughs> course is, and you gave me 12 of them. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out. And, and participating preston says hyde park and san jose country club so i'll have more of your answers coming up uh in in just a little bit Brett, martin adventure over. landing golf course oh, baby <laughs>
3: Pup, put, make it top happen golf. <laughs> top golf yeah, top golf
0: I, mean, I mean top golf they have yeah, a yeah. New mini golf course over there now uh,
3: top golf yeah oh say no more I'm yeah. over, i mean when, when everything's back and running and everything
0: i'm, I'm over there, i think dude. it's a 12-hole course they said we we're supposed to do a show there mm-hmm. at the end of march uh just to kind of help Kind of launched that thing and, yeah. and thought we'd have some fun hanging out there. Yeah. And obviously everything then got. Is it inside long. or outside? It's ra- it's outside. Okay, cool. It's outside. Yeah, cool. So I uh, like it. That's pretty cool. Uh, all right, so we'll get back to some local golf in just a bit. Uh, I did. I will share the story behind this. I brought this in. Yeah. I don't know. This is part of my resume tape. It's show and tell day. What do we got here? Oh, this is the time. It's autographed by somebody. I'm not sure it's autographed by. It should be autographed by me. Oh, is that Jordan Speeth? That's Jordan Spieth, one gotcha. of the 2015 Masters. Nailed it. And right 24 hours after he played it, Yeah. guess who played it? I'm an official member at Augusta National. Is
3: that his scorecard or your scorecard?
0: That would be mine. Okay. And it's not like his. I bet it. What would you shoot that day? 87.
3: Generous. Generous. 80, 87. Uh, are, you, are you telling the truth, though? Or oh, no, no. You, no every,
0: every shot. Every shot counted. Winner rules, though? Or? No, 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 no. All right. All right. Nah, that's every not bad. Shot. I feel like 87's not bad. At, at, uh, not bad. For uh, the Masters. I I'll listen, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, hey, but I would I, kill for that. <laughs> I'll take it, and I was happy with it because I was almost happy with the doubles and triples I made because it actually was uh, – it represented the golf course. If I could have two holes back, I, I'd love to have two holes back, and I think I could have shot like an 83. Yeah. But – the triple I made like on nine, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I'm not going to go through every shot, but uh, uh, a little bit about that experience. But well, that's the backdrop here today on on uh, cool uh, Local Golf Day because it's Masters Week. So we have mm-hmm. a little bit of that flavor. And, of course, you see the Dream 18 logo. Uh, we've tried to support local golf uh, with our charity golf tournament and others, uh, junior golf and also the local military um, and many others are along the way. Now over $100,000 raised with our Action Sports Jacks Dream 18. All right, Tom Brady and, and – uh, Howard Stern. Tom Brady said he he drinks over 200 ounces of water a day. Mm -hmm. You know, he said chronic hydration is a big problem, uh, dehydration, I'm sorry, uh, in in our society. I would agree with him. I don't know if I'm hydrated enough all the time. I'm at at like 140 ounces a day. Okay. Okay, I try to get Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I am. And I, I harp on the kids all the time about this, man. My kids do not drink enough water, especially no, down here. To, yep. I thought it was an interesting thing, though, because, you know, he's a health crazy guy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't put like sugar in his body. He doesn't drink coffee, right? Sure. All that stuff. I thought that was interesting. That probably wasn't the headliner, but it's kind of where well, my mind went first. Hey, Brent, cheers, first of all. How many do you drink? How many would you think i How many surprised? ounces do I drink? About 248. Oh, so you drink well over 200.
3: Uh, I drink two gallons a day. Wow, very yeah. good. There you go. Well and It's salt water too. I add a lot of salt to it
0: because now, so is that good for the average Joe or just no, because you're training no, so No, it,
3: it's good for the average Joe. So a big misconception is that sodium is bad for you, and a lot of sodium correct is. But the cool thing with salt, what it does, especially like the Himalayan sea salt, which I add to it. A lot of athletes do this. You add that to your water because it helps you actually maintain the water weight, right? So it helps like um hydrate your m- muscles and stuff like that. Like if you're to drink two gallons of water a day, Brent. Well, odds are you could probably go to the bathroom what ten times a day yeah, because yeah. of that. Well, if you drink if you drink salt water instead of just regular water, it, it, it cuts back on your bathroom visits because your body actually holds the water and it uses it to your your advantage. So salt water, interesting. There you go.
0: I go with uh CGC water. There you go. Uh, official water of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six absolutely. And uh, they keep supplying. Try to drink a a bunch of them uh, yeah. throughout the day. Uh, hopefully, you can too. Uh, make sure you check out CGC Water, by the way. A good time to mention that. Um, in this difficult time, if you need any help, uh, with your water treatment systems, uh, give them a buzz. Check them out on the web as well. All right. Uh, did we learn anything from, uh, Tom Brady, Howard Stern? Uh, the fact that he wanted to, or he knew basically mm-hmm. it was going to be his last year. What did that tell you?
3: I mean, I thought the writing was on the wall. That's what he said. I mean, it was cool. I got to listen to it because I actually have this serious Exum, uh, app and that I don't listen to a lot of Howard Stern truth be told, but obviously I checked out the Tom Brady clip and yeah, I mean, the, to him, it was all but a foregone conclusion. That he was going to be gone out of, um, New England, you know, and I thought he was very telling on a few things. Obviously his relationship with Robert Kraft. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a close one and to, to be fair and granted, you know, I only spent five years in the NFL, but like, the owners that I encountered, you know, and then like Shad Khan was a guy who he would come in, pop his head. He would come to some practices, but like he was never like, you know, in and out and like, you know, friend. I mean, he just it's not his job to be your friend. He's the owner of the team. He's got a lot of things going on. And I always just felt like Robert Kraft was kind of like that. I don't want to say a father figure to Tom Brady, but he was just like that companion of Tom Brady, which I think is definitely a rare thing in terms of an owner. Like a head coach? Sure. A GM, maybe. But an owner, it's definitely weird. Uh but the biggest takeaway that I took from, you know, Brady talking about New England and, and the culture there and his time there was the Bill Belichick, right? Because we hear it all the time, you know, it, it, it's horrible to play in New England, you don't have any fun, but I thought, you know, Tom Brady was very candid in saying that what you see on the field, what you see in the interviews, that's not Bill Belichick. And, like, he has a lot of respect for Bill Belichick. He says that he shared a lot of conversations with Bill Belichick that mean the absolute world to him. He's not going to repeat him, obviously, on Howard Stern. But you just got the feeling that Tom Brady really thinks the world of Bill Belichick. And in doing that, he also went into the standpoint of, You know, people want to say, well, is Tom Brady successful because of Bill Belichick? And that's not what this move to Tampa was about in the first place. But I thought Tom Brady kind of put it nicely. He's like, listen, is Bill Belichick a great coach? Absolutely. Am I a great quarterback? Absolutely. If you combine those two things, you're going to have success. If I wasn't in New England, no, they probably wouldn't have as much success. And just like if I didn't have Bill Belichick as a head coach, I wouldn't have had as much success. So I thought like – this whole thing where we think, yeah, he's competitive. You know, like Tom Brady wants to go there and, and break Jordan's record, and and he wants to prove to himself that he doesn't need the Patriots to be successful. Well, the way he presented it, was like, that's nothing further from the truth, man. I just want to go play football some more. And it wasn't going to work out in New England, so I want to go someplace else.
0: Yeah, it, it, that's an interesting part of this. In fact, just to back that up, when asked about Belichick or Brady, who gets the credit, uh, he said, quote, I think it's a pretty – expletive argument Mm -hmm. i can't do his job and he can't do mine can i be successful without him the same level of success i don't believe i would have been but i feel the same vice versa Mm -hmm. fair way to answer yeah you know and i think by the way both men you're not talking about six rings yeah without the the other and mm-hmm. we we did that a couple of weeks ago, right, when he was going to Tampa. And it's just like there were some times where Brady carried him. I mean, I think Brady could say I should have had seven because if you guys could have stopped anybody, I threw for 610 yards in the Eagles Super Bowl and lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, no, for what sure. more did you want me to do? Yep. So uh, that that part was interesting. I Do you feel like with Brady here, you listen to it live. I did. I saw a lot of the quotes that were coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Do you think we learn? Do you think there's more left in the tank in a tell all book or a story down the road or whatever? And he's still, because he's playing, he's very aware of that. So he's, you know, you know, when you're going on Howard Stern, you're probably going to get asked questions point blank. You might reveal a thing or two. You wouldn't agree to do it if, if that's why he wants you on. I mean, heck. From anywhere. Not no holds bar. Well, I mean he, he talked about smoking marijuana or, He talked about that. They talked about
3: Donald Trump trying to set him up with his daughter and like and that was a super awkward part of the Because Tom Brady's just like uh, like I don't want to answer that. So like, that was kinda weird. <laughs> yeah, okay. But yeah, but there's a couple of things where Tom Brady didn't really reveal. One of the biggest things was the other teams that were interested in signing him. Because he said that there was like four or five, six teams that were diehard and trying he didn't to get say him. That. And and he didn't say who the teams were. Hmm.
0: Four or five.
3: Yeah. But but he but he wouldn't say who the teams are. He's like well, uh, out of respect. The we, we know the Chargers. Yeah,
0: if you had to guess, who do you think? Yeah, that's a good... That's, I mean, so, Chargers, Chargers Colts,
3: Colts, Titans, Chargers, um, that's plus three, uh, Tampa Bay, I guess one more.
0: I mean, New England would be one.
3: Yeah, but I think there, he meant there's a different one, too. But whatever the thing is, but he's like, I want to respect those teams because they're trying to win championships as well, yeah. and like you know, kind of sharing that information could put teams at a disadvantage, so maybe that'll come out eventually.
0: Here's what I guarantee, by the way, I wouldn't be surprised, mm-hmm. and, and this didn't get brought up a lot. But why wouldn't have Elway? He already had called Peyton Manning. You know, he wanted Manning. He got Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> why not go after Brady? Yeah. How would they have been able to figure out even with Drew Locke in that situation? I think that one's interesting. And maybe the other one that uh, I don't think got a lot of talk, but you wondered about it, would have been the Miami Dolphins with Flores down there who sure. had been in New England. Uh, and then on top of that, all the money they were investing, mm-hmm. you know, into their defense I think they could have been on the list too.
3: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, you know, when when the Tom Brady tell-all book comes out, is you know I have this preconceived notion that Tom Brady is just—he's a dynamo. He's actually a machine in the off season. Like all he does is eat avocado ice cream, take care of himself, and then go outside and throw the football around, right? Like, and he's—he's he's just. It, it's to a T, man. It's just it's it's almost like it's robotic. But it was fascinating hearing him grow up as a kid and like yeah, he would go to high school parties and he would he would be hungover the next morning. He would smoke weed, you know, and he wouldn't tell his dad obviously. So like he had the upbringing of of a lot of high school kids, you know. And so it's funny how that works. But the biggest thing that took away from the interview, Brent, and I hope that he dives more into it, um, you know, after his career is done, is it was trying to balance him being a father, a husband. And then a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, because he went into that interview with Howard Stern and he was saying when he first started out, you know, he was focused on winning Super Bowls and he wanted to be the best ever. And family kind of came second. Right. Well, it wasn't until he got married to Giselle, um, you know, Victoria's Secret fashion, model, Giselle, where she actually kind of pulled him aside and said, listen, this isn't going to work. All right. Yeah, it's one thing to spend your time during, during the season winning football games. I understand that. But during the off season, you're not home. You're, you're, you're trying to work on next season already. You're with your teammates throwing the ball around. You're not here with your family. So I thought it was a really behind the curtain inside of Tom Brady's head of what he kind of had to go through to change his philosophies and his principles and his hierarchy really of who he was because this was a guy who just wanted to win, Brent. This was a guy who wanted to prove everybody wrong and all of a sudden his wife, you know, the, the 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 woman that he married is telling him, "Listen, what you're doing right now, it's not working. And either you fix it or we're going to have big problems." And like just to go hear him go through that and the mental gymnastics of trying to bento, you know, to trying to balance a family and a football career, it was fascinating.
0: Yeah, that is very cool by the way and shows a vulnerability for Brady. And he yeah. he brought up that a couple of years ago they went they saw counseling, marriage yeah. counseling. Mm-hmm. And you wonder if part of that You know, not to delve too much into their personal relationship, but you wonder if part of that was, say, hey, I want to keep playing. Mm -hmm. So I got to figure out a new way to do it. But it goes back to what I've said for a long time, man. It is hard. I said this a couple weeks ago. It is hard to be great and the best ever. One of those kind of guys, like the 1% of 1%, Mm -hmm. if you're not extremely selfish. And that when you get married, when you have kids, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm Mm-hmm. But that does take away from me, 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 me all the time. If you want to be a good husband and be a good father, of course. and so I think he experienced a little bit. That's not. I, listen, Brady, Brady's declining a little bit in stats, not because he got married, in my opinion, because he's forty-two, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't By have as much undefeated. around him, you know. Yeah. But uh, but that's a fascinating revelation there, and. I just think we, we don't think like that. People don't, you know, I mean, I think, Hey, let's, let's try to do the best we can. Sure. I'm not saying, Hey, I want to be in the broadcasting hall of fame and, and the best radio or, or TV guy that ever lived. Yeah. Like it's never crossed my mind. And, and in fairness to Brady, he brings that up too about legacy. He said it's never really been no. like, he doesn't think like I've got to win this many. I, I, well, I love that part because we all do that to people. Yeah. We do that to LeBron. Mm-hmm. We do that to Tiger. You know, whether, hey, he wants to get 18, we he's got to get 19. We do to professional
3: athlete at the top of their game. We, we think do it.
0: We know what they want. Yeah. And it's like I say sometimes about coaching, the coaching cycle and circle. It's like the guy that is at, oh, let's just take Matthew Driscoll, for instance. Okay. Uh, Matthew Driscoll, his, he's got to get to the power five. He's got to, the UNF men's basketball coach, by the way, he has to go here. He's got to get another job. He's got to make a million dollars at a job. I'm not saying he would never want to do it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes being a place you're comfortable, making a good living, a city you like, all those kind of things, knowing that it fits well for you and your family is an okay place to be. But we on the outside always say, well, that guy's going to want to go here. He's going to want to make a million dollars. He's going to want to go coach in the Power Five. And name your coach. I'm just using Coach Driscoll as an example. Uh, But I think Brady kind of speaks to that a little bit where it's like we want to set the path for Tom Brady, for Tiger Woods, for all Mm -hmm. these guys, for their greatness. Yet we never really know what their path to greatness is in their own mind.
3: One of my favorite quotes from that interview was when he talked about the legacy part. And Tom Brady was like, I love the game of football more than anything. But do you think when I was in high school and I was coming up, do you think when I went to bed at night, I cared about, well, I hope in 20 years my legacy is going to be great? Yeah. Like, No, it's not like that at all, man. Like, But when it's all said and done and he reflects back on his career, of course it'll be important to him. Of course getting that gold jack in the Hall of Fame, that'll be important to him because it shows that all the hard work paid off. But right now, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay could care less about a legacy. And one more thing, too, about, you know, trying to balance being a husband and, you know, being a father and being a a starting quarterback in the NFL, you got to keep in mind, too, who's married to, Brent. He's married to essentially the Tom Brady of models, you know, for Victoria's Secret. And I think she's retired now, but, like, that's another great point, too, is, like, I had to realize, like, what I got myself into, right? Because it's one thing to be married to a housewife who, you know, I mean, she has goals and everything, but it's her job to take care of the family. Giselle wants to do Giselle things. Giselle wants to, you know, go around the world and, yeah, and do fashion sports. lines. Exactly. And, and she's one of the top at, the at the top her, top game. Of her game. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, hearing him trying to balance that as well. I'm like, I, listen, th- th- there's a reason why he's the GOAT, not only, I feel like, as a football player, but possibly a husband, too, because that's just a different life, man. I couldn't imagine. Just it is interesting, that. you know. Yeah.
0: And where does ego lie in all of that too? Yeah. You know. Uh So it, it, it's fascinating. Did you, you come out of that? You, I don't know if you like Brady or not like Brady. I think he's a likable figure. I really do. I, it, from a and again, I know folks know that I'm from New England. I'm not a Patriots fan. Like I don't have a Tom Brady jersey. I I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I I've probably rooted against him more than I've rooted for him. Mm-hmm. And there have times I've been at Super Bowls. I'm like, you know what. If he's going to become the GOAT here, if he wins his fifth Super Bowl. Now, I didn't know he was going to do it in that fashion against Atlanta. Yeah. But you're like, I, I'd like to say I was there for that. Yeah. That wouldn't be bad. But I don't root for him openly. But at the same time, I find out that I like him. Like, I think he's a cool athlete. I, I don't think there's much about him that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And what I wonder is, for people that were on the fence on that, when you hear him with Stern and kind of these revelations and a vulnerability maybe that he sure. hadn't showed too much. Does it make him more likable?
3: I'm gonna say this. I, I mean, I've always respected Tom Brady, right? And it's funny because, you know, to me, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they're two guys that when I played against them, when when my teams played against them, like the coaches put him on a pedestal. Your teammates put them on a pedestal, right? Yeah. It's like we have to play our best game. I have to show up because I'm playing Tom Brady. I'm playing Peyton Manning, you know? And, like, I'll never forget when we played the Patriots here in Jacksonville. Like, there's a reason why that baseball bat came to fruition. And then the back of there, Brent, because we're playing the Patriots. We're playing Tom Brady. So, like, we needed every incentive to try to go out there and have our best game because it was Tom Brady. So I left that Howard Stern interview with a newfound respect for Tom Brady because we put him on such a pedestal. For the first time, you know, maybe ever, and at least in my opinion, Howard Stern was able to bring him down to everybody else. You know, this this was a guy who drank in high school. This was a guy who likes cracking jokes. He, he likes cussing like anybody else. He cussed a little bit, and Howard Stern was like, bang, Tom Brady swears. That's awesome. And hearing him, and one of my favorite things about that interview, too, was hearing him talk about the locker room. And a big reason why he can't step away from the, the game of football. Like, yes, he wants to keep on winning, and that, too, and Super Bowls are fun, but it's the locker room dynamic. He said... The locker room is a safe space even like at home or even like in, in public, wherever he is, he feels the safest in a locker room because you, you can be yourself. You, there's no repercussions for what you say, especially times like this where anything you say, you sometimes got to walk on glass because you don't want to offend anybody. He said the locker room is the one place where it's like his sanctuary. And it was fascinating hearing him talk about culture and what makes a great locker room, right? Because we, we always say these pillars, you have to have the pillars to be a great locker room. You have to have these veterans, these captains to be a great team. He didn't really mention any of that. He said the biggest key to having a successful locker room is being able to communicate and understand each other. And, and he put it nicely. He's like, listen, I'm 40-something years old. I'm going to Tampa Bay right now, and those guys that are 20. There's Those guys that are half my age. When I get to Tampa Bay, I have to find something that we have common ground on, or we will never work. I have to find, whether it's music, whether it's a movie, whatever it is, we have to find some common ground, or we cannot be teammates. So it's, it's, it's fascinating going into
0: that as well. One thing, you hear some more stories uh coming out of New England, you know, Over the last few years. And what you just said there, I think, will be the piece that will be fascinating down the road. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are going to celebrate and marvel at how good of a teammate he was. Mm -hmm. And I've heard the story of that pedestal, by the way, that young players walk in there like, oh, my gosh, this is Tom Brady. And he really has to work to lower his own level Mm -hmm. and just say, I'm just another guy here. I'm just not, and so the fact that he realizes that I think we'll hear a lot about how great of a teammate he was over the years and and I look forward to that I think that will be pretty cool um, because what you said is right on people put him on a pedestal mm-hmm. but not only opposing coaches people right in his own locker room
1: yeah
0: uh, and in right organization I mean can imagine Tom Brady walking down the hall at, at Patriots headquarters and you're like the the sales guy or ticket guy or whatever mm-hmm. and you're like you, you you call, you leave off to say, guess what, I, I said hi to Tom Brady down the hallway today. For sure, I mean, for sure. That's what people but, do. That's kind of cool, right? Yeah. Well, Tom Brady's like, nah, I'm just no, I'm just your coworker. That's exactly. That's the way he's thinking.
3: Exactly. And, and I was such a fan because I never really thought about it before, Brent. You know, I'm just like trying to find a common ground, something you have in common to get along with your teammates, to try to build some kind of brotherhood and camaraderie. And like when I thought, think back to my career, my rookie year, you know our defensive line room was made up of all characters and types. All right, I mean if you want to do a hard knock show, or a reality TV show, the defensive line room was it. And we and we had a head coach that was pulling no punch. I'm mean, sorry, we had a defensive line coach who was pulling no punches at all. But like I think back to it, I'm like man, I think back to all the different personalities and the, the different upbringings that we all had. And for some reason. We all got along well. You know, we had Tyson Aluado, the most quietest guy you're ever going to meet. D'Anthony Smith, he was, you know, the flashy kind of guy. You had Pot Roast, who was just a character. Derek Harvey was a character. But, like, and I think back to, like, what did we all have in common? Like, how did we get along so well? And I think back to the movie Batman with with the Joker. Remember, it was the the, the Heath Yeah, Heath Ledger, Ledger, yeah. Yeah. We would quote that during training camp every single day. And and I'm saying we all quoted it together. And they always say, like, defense alignment are crazy. We're crazy, man. And you got to be crazy to play football. But, like, that's what got us through training camp. Interesting. That's what got us through Joe Cullen was just doing these stupid quotes from Batman movies. That's hey, our common
0: ground. Hey, uh, we're talking football. We're talking golf today. Uh, let's talk more golf and celebrate local golf in the area with Jim Furick, He's coming up next. Some more of your responses about some of your favorite golf courses in the area. Hyde Park and San Jose, says Preston Curry, says Hyde Park and Bent Creek, Travis Eagle Landing. Eric, I've always thought uh, Northampton with a special nod to Hyde Park as it's Donald Ross design. A lot of Hyde Parks in here. Uh, Jack Knight says St. John's uh, Golf and Country Club. Malcolm, Pablo Creek, Timuquana, Sawgrass, Plantation, Long Point, Atlantic Beach. Man, I want to play where you play. These are nice courses. We'll be back with Jim Furyk right after this. How about this resume right here? Been professional since 1992. I bet it would be a good trivia question. Where did he go to college, Jim Furick, Where did he go? University of Arizona? Way back now. He's been on the tour for... Almost three decades. Still looks fantastic. 17 PGA Tour wins. 2003 U.S. Open champion. All oh, the accolades go on and on. PGA Player of the Year. PGA Tour Player of the Year in 2010. FedEx Cup champion 2010. Ryder Cup captain. Payne Stewart award winner. Let's welcome to the program Jim Furick, Ponte Vedra's own hails from the great state of Pennsylvania, but we call him our own. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Brent? Hey, thanks for taking some time, man. We're, we're celebrating local golf uh, as we try to shine the spotlight on sports here in town. And and uh, we love to do it uh, in the local golf scene. And, and you're one of the biggest names that has been in this area, uh, of course. There's so many guys that live in the area, whether it's up to St. Simon's Island or here in Ponte Vedra. And I think Jupiter's another hot spot down in South Florida. What's the draw? What's the attraction? Why do all you guys live here? That's a heck of a good question. Um,
1: I mean, I, I love Jacksonville. I ended up kind of here by accident, but, uh, fell in love with it and have lived here now longer than anywhere, anywhere else in the rest of my life. But I think a lot of it with the tour headquarters and, and the practice facility at uh TPC is, is a, is a huge draw, but, um, you know, I, I think Jacksonville has a lot to offer and we love the city and, um, we spent some time both in Jacksonville and in Ponte Vedra. So, um, uh, you know this is going to be home for a long time for
0: us, yeah, it certainly has been, like I think the cool part about it, and, like I said, we take a level of pride i think in in having professional golfers in the area and live here and kind of be part of it. Billy Horschel, we had on the show earlier, we're going to have Russell Knox on a little bit later, uh but you're a great example of it. I mean, you fall in love with this place, and now I think people like if you if you ask some folks on the street they're like hey yeah Jim Furyk he's from Jacksonville he's born and raised here that's how much you feel a part of the community Jim do you sense that especially with what you and Tabitha have done giving back to the community yeah
1: absolutely I was I was born and raised in uh in Pennsylvania and spent a lot of time in Lancaster and and that'll kind of be where I'm where I'm from and that's that's where I grew up but as I said I, I lived in Jacksonville longer than anywhere in my life and and this really became home when Tabitha and I started kind of our family here and raising the kids and we started our foundation. Um, this truly is home. And so, um, we, we feel a, a great connection to Jacksonville and, and Northeast Florida. And, and, uh, you know, we're, we're real proud of, uh, of the foundation and, and, and the work that it's done. And, and, uh, you know, Tabitha runs that foundation. So, uh, I'm, I'm extremely proud of her and, and all that she's been able to accomplish.
0: Brent Martineau here, Austin Lane, former Jags player, current MMA fighter, Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690 as we celebrate local golf. We talked some football here today as well, and Jim's a big football fan too. I want to ask you about all these local guys. You have, you must have some heck of a uh, Saturday morning games in the offseason, or I don't know what time you play. But uh, <laughs> how good are the games that you guys, when you get together and you're not playing in a tournament, uh, whether it's TPC, whether it's Temaquana, Sawgrass Country Club, wherever you end up, uh, do you guys have some fun?
1: Yeah, we do. We do. There's actually, uh, I, and I play a lot of golf with folks that aren't on tour as well. Uh, you know, guys are, are, some are great, you know, some are real good players. Some some are average average golfers. I, I just enjoy having fun. You know, we're on the tour so often uh, and, and playing so many good, tough golf courses and courses that are set up difficult. Uh, I enjoy kind of getting out there and having fun just like everyone else. And uh, enjoying, enjoying my friend's company and, and, uh, and having
0: fun. But there's always a, there's always a little game and something on the line as well. Well, you shot a 58, so that will be tough to beat, but is that your best score ever? I mean, in a fun (laughs) round of golf, have you, have you gone? Oh yeah.
1: No, I haven't. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, uh, my, my best scores have actually come in tournament situations. So, uh, going out and messing around with some friends and I mean, I'm trying and I'm, I'm, I'm working at it and trying to play well, but, you know, my focus isn't quite the same as when you're locked in a tournament and, and you know, the, kind of the switch goes on. I've I've always shot my lowest numbers and lowest scores in, in tournament situations. Hey there,
3: Jim. So, you know, the world of sports has obviously been put on a pause with the pandemic going on right now. I mean, if you're an NFL player, if you're an MLB player, if you're an NBA player, obviously your stadiums are shut down right now. Golf is a little different, right, where if you're a pro golfer, you can still go to the courses and play. My question to you is, is there a part of you that wishes the PGA Tour would still go on with no crowds, seeing how you guys can still get out there and play?
1: Uh, I don't know. Well, the easy answer is no. And I think a lot of the reason behind that, though, is you have to still to put on a golf tournament. I realize we could probably do it with very few volunteers, but if we're going to play an event, it's going to be on television. And that television compound's probably got hundreds uh Of employees and they're in close quarters and so unless we could figure out maybe a way for them to do their job where they could social distance as well uh, i don't think we could get the tournaments on television which would be kind of the main purpose of it all and i I just don't think it would be safe right now so i'm sure uh commissioner monahan is uh, expending every idea possible and trying to figure out uh you know when it'll be possible for us to get back to work but to do it very safely yeah what
0: do you think jim uh, jim Furick with us of course professional golfer what do you think about the new schedule that that they are going to try to run out there and, and who knows you know that could get postponed again but uh, the way yeah. it's laid out this is masters week this is part of the reason we're celebrating local golf uh here this week but it's going to be in november uh what do you think about how they've laid everything out i mean it's it, for a fan it's unbelievable i mean think about all those great golf tournaments right in a row especially the open and the Ryder cup but uh, what do you think about it no, I think it's great. I think, you know, we all want to get back to work. We all want to get back to playing
1: golf tournaments. And so whether or not they they squish a bunch of events together, uh, whether it's big events, however it may be, I think, you know, we're, we're just anxious to get out there and play. So uh, if we have to play the U.S. Open and the Ryder Cup back-to-back, you know, so be it. As, uh, the European sides is going to have to do it just like we are. And um, I think guys are just anxious to get back to playing golf, and, and they're happy to do it, whatever it takes. So, uh, it's exciting, it's exciting to see something come out positive, right? We're all kinda locked at home and, and, uh, you know, not really having the opportunity to get out there, so to, to think ahead, to think, you know, mid-June seems, seems, uh, you, you guys tell me, does that, that seems a little maybe, uh, too positive yeah i
0: don't <laughs> you know, mind the positivity i'm like the president of the sunshine and rainbows clubs yeah i have to be with the jags and <laughs> right day. but uh july is kind of when i'm looking at second half of the year i'd love fourth of july time to be able to to kind of right. get back but i think that's even right. a positive i get why it's, people are more negative than that uh but i'm just going my mind frame is no, uh, the early I, part of the summer
1: yeah i think the whole the, the, the biggest thing and we we don't know right now is when we'll get get to start again. And that, that'll have, I think that'll dictate, you know, schedule FedEx cup playoffs majors. Uh, It's really going to be on that start date. And so hopefully that'll be sooner than later. And, and uh, we can get some, you know, a definitive schedule in front of us. But right now I thought it was exciting news this week and, it was good to read through it and kind of get a handle for things.
0: We're going to keep Jim Fuhrer for a couple more minutes. We appreciate him joining us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, what are you doing at home, Jim? I'm, we're playing like marshmallow baseball. I've, I've, I've eaten at the dinner table more in the last like month than I have in the last five years. Uh, are you teaching math class at home? Are you getting any fun games? Uh, what have you been up to with the family?
1: Oh, you got you have to explain marshmallow baseball. I think I, st- I stopped listening after you said that. What is marshmallow baseball?
0: <laughs> well, basically, you just get we get a, the biggest marshmallows we can find and one of the smallest bats we can find. You know, like one of those souvenir bats you get at an yeah. MLB game. And, yeah. Uh, it's in the living room. Now, you can't sprint to the bases. you got to walk, so sometimes you get penalized. But you, it takes some I hand coordination to hit that marshmallow. And after, like, right. two innings, the marshmallow becomes, well, kind of flattened. So, uh understood. Is this
1: like uh, playing in Tampa where you have, like, you know, if you hit certain <laughs> lights, you get, like, a single, double, triple? <laughs>
0: and, uh, that's, hey, that, you're right on the money. Here's what happens. If it lands on a counter or a surface and does not hit the floor, it, it's an out. So oh, wow. it, it's not as easy as one might think. I, struck the I understand. Yeah, and as it gets flatter, it probably <laughs> stays more
1: often. I understand. So all
0: right. so, so what are you doing?
1: <laughs> you no, know, not not that creative. I I, I definitely cannot one-up the, the marshmallow baseball. But, uh, you know, I think we're doing a lot of everyone else. We've been watching some movies. Uh, I live, uh, I'm very fortunate. I live pretty close to the St. Johns River. So I've been fishing a little bit. I've been kind of sneaking out for about an hour a day and, and fishing, uh, catching some reds. I cut a little trout last night. So, uh, that's been fun. That's been my fresh air. Been trying to work out quite a bit, trying to stay fit. Um, and honestly, I am the least handy person maybe on the face of the planet, but I've been kind of fixing things up. I've hung like a bunch of shelves in the garage and coordinating and organizing. And, uh, my wife is, uh, is obviously the, she's the organization of the whole, she's the brains of the whole the other looks of the whole thing. But, uh, she's, uh, She's been helping out a lot, and we've been organizing things and kind of getting things done that we've always wanted to but been too busy to do.
3: So, you know, with guys on the PGA Tour, obviously, like, you guys are all staying in shape. You know, I mean, we've had a couple golfers on so far, and they've talked about, you know, running a Peloton bike or going outside for walks. So there's not a doubt you guys are staying in shape. But obviously, you get a break away from the game now, right? And you can kind of mentally reset a little bit. You can kind of reset from the gruels of, of a long PGA Tour. My question to you is when everyone comes back, whenever that's gonna be, do you think scores will be lower just because guys kinda had a break or will scores be higher now just because they have to kinda shake the rust off a little bit and get back into the groove of things?
1: I think I I don't think scores are gonna be lower immediately. I I think um I mean I know guys are playing golf. I haven't been playing. I haven't been at a golf course now in uh three weeks. So, um, I just, just feel like staying home and, and doing my parts for me right now, it's the right thing to do. Um, I don't, I definitely not, don't criticize anyone. If you, know, you can go to the golf course and kind of be by yourself and, and never get within 50 feet of anyone, uh, and go practice and that, I just, uh, I've been staying home. Um, I have a little synthetic putting green at home and been putting on that. Uh, I've been trying to make some swings and, and just stay loose, but, uh, I don't see scores being lower. I think, uh, in order to get into tournament shape, you kind of have to play tournament. So some guys are going to come back probably super rusty. Some guys are going to come back rare to go and, and probably be very successful right off the bat. Um, everyone's going to have their own kind of formula for getting ready. And, and I think the tour is probably going to give us a, a good three, four week head start, kind of like, Hey, this is the week we're going to start and, and guys will, will do their best to, to be in tournament form. But, Sometimes it just takes playing tournaments to get in the tournament for them. It's hard hard to simulate that at home.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jim Furyk with us on Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. We'll keep you for two more questions, if you don't mind, Jim. We appreciate the time. Uh, you announced that the, during the Players' Week uh, with the, your Champions Tour event that will take place in 2021. So fortunately, it's some time off. Uh, it will happen at Tim Aquano, which is very cool. You'll be able to give back to the community. You're kind of the host of that Champions Tour event any changes on the horizon with that or, or do you anticipate being able to go with that in two thousand twenty one in the fall?
1: No, I don't I I anticipate we we're ready to go. Um, you know, thankfully for us being our first event, uh we'll have a lot of time to recover here from you know three three, four months off. But uh no, we're we're full speed ahead. Uh we've got a wonderful sponsor in Constellation. They're excited about uh kind of joining this community and, and have already made a nice donation to the foundation uh to, to kind of help out here in jacksonville and and we're excited so uh as you said the venues at uh timaquana country club will be the first full week i think it's october 4 to 10 uh in 2021 and um we're gonna you know champion Tour is a lot of fun it uh you know these guys kind of have a second lease on life the scoring is low it seems like they shoot 20 under every week <laughs> and uh they do a really good job though kind of uh rubbing elbows with their fans with their sponsors and uh you know i'm just really looking forward to not only playing the event but you know i'm, I'm going to be joining that f- tour full-time pretty soon i turned 50 in may and um i still want to finish out this season on the tour and see what will happen but I'm excited about the future and excited about our event. So, uh, you know, everyone here from the Jacksonville area, I hope you'll come check us out. Um, come see the event. Come rub elbows with, uh, you know, the Champions, Champions Tour stars. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be exciting. We're going to raise a lot of money here for uh, for charities in Jacksonville.
0: Absolutely. You guys are going to do a great job with that. That will be an awesome tournament. Uh, are you embra- You sound like you're embracing the flip to 50 and maybe that Champions Tour. A lot of guys try to, like, go to denial and say, I can still compete. I can do this. I don't want to go there yet. Uh, You you sound like you're embracing it. Well,
1: you know, I've I've been telling everyone I'm going to boycott 50 for a while. That's what I've been saying all all along. Um, It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Uh, You know, uh, it it happens, I guess. And uh, I'm really, it was was fun to be healthy last year for the first time in a few years. And I played pretty solid. Uh, I was in the top 40, kind of going into the FedEx Uh, playoffs i think i was 39th on the fedex list i had a chance to make the playoffs it was it was fun to play well again um and i kind of wanted to see you know what this year had in store for me and i was working hard getting getting my game in shape and you know for now it's not to be but we're going to get out there and play some golf uh you know later this summer or fall and uh we'll see we'll see i'm kind of keeping uh keeping all doors open right now and I don't want to flip back and forth between both tours. So when I when I kind of turn the key and when I move to the Champions store, I'm going to do it full time.
0: Hey, good attitude to have. All right, you're a big football fan, man. I know Pittsburgh Steelers. That's uh, that's that's your home. Uh, but you've adopted the Jags. You've been a big fan of the Jags. Give us your assessment here as we head into draft time and and this 2020 season of of both of your teams. Uh, do you like Mitchu at the quarterback? Uh, big Ben going to bounce back and have a big year for the Steelers? Give us a little analysis. Well.
1: I think the Steelers kinda of right now they roll with Ben. So if if he's healthy, the defense is incredible. Um the offense really struggled last year and the defense still was, you know, the top five defense in the league. So and they were on the field all the time. So uh if Ben has if Ben's healthy, if Ben can go and he can play at the same level or, or close, I, I think they'll have a really successful year. The Jags, they're doing a lot a lot this off season. So uh no, I, I thought uh the Calais Campbell, that was a that was a big one. That was an eye opener. Um and you know what? Minshew seems like he's got everyone's attention as far as I mean, I I realize the city loves him, but it seems like the team's ready to roll with him as well. So uh we'll we'll see. I know uh last year was a disappointment. Um I'm a big fan of Doug's, to be honest with you. Uh he he lives pretty close by and and I've had a chance, uh our kids go to school together, so I've had a chance to meet uh Doug and Helen and, and um uh, I'm a, I'm I'm a fan of the Jags, but I'm a huge fan of theirs. So uh, I'm, I'm rooting for them, and I hope they do well. Jim, I'm gonna be
3: honest with you, man. I'm not a big golfer at all. The last time I went out on the golf course, I shot a 120. 121. I shot a 121, Jim. Okay. Um, I mean, I grew up playing football. Poor Um, caddy. Yeah, it was the caddy's fault. I'm gonna blame him. (laughs) But uh, you know, I grew up playing football. I'm an MMA fighter now. Golf's just not my forte. But here's what I propose. David Ferry, back in the day, um, called your shot. He said that your shot reminded him of an octopus falling out of a tree. Can I yep. send, once let's get back on the golf course, once this whole thing's done, can I send you my shot one time and can you break down my shot and, and compare it to something? Yeah, absolutely. My man, Jim, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. A little swing analysis. A little swing analysis. So, you want me to do it live or are you going to send me the video? Uh, sometime I can just probably send you the video, man. We'll go from there. Yeah, we'll do it at yeah. another
0: time. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds good. I, I want you to rip it, Jim. Just absolutely <laughs> rip it. Uh, don't be oh, right. He's a big guy. I mean, he's six six. Well, but we can you know, on. I
1: don't have a lot to do. Send it over on Twitter, and I'll and I'll rip and I'll rip it a new one for you. <laughs> sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Hey, Jim Fury. Right.
0: Thanks for taking the time. Be well. Uh, best to your family, uh, you and Tabitha and the kids, and and uh, can't wait to see you in action here in the next couple months. I uh, enjoyed it, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate right, you having thanks, me. You bet. Thanks. Right. Uh, Jim Furyk on Action Sports Jackson, on ESPN 690. You know what I wanted to ask him a little bit? You, you, when you look at the resume of Jim Furyk, well, I mean, what we talked about the 58, he shot a 59. I mean, that's like unbelievable. And in, in, uh, 50, 59 is what people try, you know. Yeah. And then he went out and shot a 58. And I still think one of the great moments for Jim in my memory. Now, if I had asked him, said, hey, what's your best memory? And of course, the U.S. Open. 2003 it would have to be I'm assuming that's what he would have said but last year finishing second at the players championship what a scene it was at TPC Sawgrass our hometown guy had a chance to win Roy McIlroy just too good in the end but I'll never forget Burek on 18 man that was so much fun and he's a cool guy great family they do so much for Jacksonville and uh, yeah, they may hail from Pennsylvania, yeah, but they're Jacksonville folks now, and uh, and we love it. Celebrating some local golf here on a Wednesday, including Jim Furyk. Glad to have Billy Horshow on as well. Russell Knox will join us in the five o'clock hour. We're talking football. Deion Sanders is a topic, and he had plenty of topics. Next on ESPN six ninety.
2: Honestly, man, it's it's been a it's been somewhat weird to a degree, you know, because a lot of a lot of you know for me having. A lot of time and then the uncertainty with the you know the free agency situation you know i'm in i'm in uncharted waters for the first time in my career you know what i'm saying uh being around my kids is is obviously the the best thing about it um my son ain't seen me this much and he don't know what's going on he don't know whether to be excited or to be worried i
0: think cam's play, made plenty of money he shouldn't be worried yeah uh, that's cam newton by the way he sounds like he's in good spirits yeah it is an interesting time for cam newton man that is a strange thing I, everybody wants cam newton coming out of high school right yeah, yeah, and then even colleges uh you know from florida to auburn and everything that he's done and then number one pick overall you know super bowl appearance superman at times and now he still has plenty of game left. It's not like this guy is 40 years old. I mean, he's got plenty of game from an age standpoint. Obviously, he sounds like he thinks he does. Mm-hmm. And nobody's calling.
3: Did you see what Jameis Winston said? I, about Brady? Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, no, I mean, I, I think it's, like, ridiculous from Jameis Winston's perspective. To, like, to oh, say it like oh, that? A little delusional? Yeah, like Jameis Winston says, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's a great compliment to who I was a quarterback if Tom Brady came in to replace me. It, yeah, But you also had 30 interceptions, though. Okay. So a lot of guys could have probably came in and replaced two James. Well, I guess that's his
0: point, right? Like, if if somebody that is more close to him, right, comes in and replaces him, then he's like, ah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. In his mind, he said, the only reason they were Correct. let me go is because I yeah. got Brady, which I mean, probably isn't true. Yeah. Like, Brady was started a slam dunk. you a little bit, yeah. too, there, homie. He well, wasn't know? a slam dunk. Yeah. So, I always yeah. said, you know, when Tebow, and, and that was going on, the one thing Elway was able to do is he was able to get Peyton Manning in, so any leftover Tebow fans and people like, give him a chance, give him a chance, you yeah, know, whatever yeah, it was, yeah. and that was probably a good amount in Denver still, well, it didn't matter because you got one of the greats of all time coming in. It was it was a great way to suppress some of that, mm-hmm. you know, from the fan base, uh, if you will. All right. Hey, look, I'm this is my pri- one of my prized possessions. Let's see what we got here. Uh, it's local sports golf day. It's it's like this is all about me this moment. Though. It's all good, man. I feel like this social has been about you, but we're, we're all good. So here's the deal. Yeah, you're doing a great job putting up with this golf I'm trying, talk. man. I'm, I'm trying to stay conscious. Listen, it's like half football, half golf. Mm. Go on. All right, so what do we got here? We had a lot of WrestleMania talk for a couple <laughs> of days. You better believe in there. it, man. You better I mean, believe it. a whole it. segment of picks on WrestleMania. <laughs> but anyway, so here's how it works, okay? If you don't know the history, and uh, it, it if you cover the Masters, mm-hmm. you can put your name in a lottery, and a, a few media members, uh, maybe 30 overall, but there's a lot of people that cover the Masters, get picked. Well, I'd gone for a couple years, and then bam, got picked. You go back up and you play the day after the Masters. Pin placements are the same and everything. Yeah. So you become officially a member of Augusta National. Yeah. At least for a day. Yep. Uh, so this is what happened. I've never been so early at tee time. You, you you had to arrive at 1030 just an hour before. I think I arrived at like 8 in the morning mm-hmm. and waited it out. And uh, ended up shooting 87. Two birdies, by the way, on the front. Second hole. And the 8th hole, and I missed like a 4-footer on the 7th hole. Yeah. So the big thing here to be known is we don't play the tees that the other guys play. It's about a 1,000 yards shorter, the members tee versus the pro tees. Sure. That's okay. Um, Hole I'd like to have back is number 15. It was a par 5. I drove it beautifully and kind of screwed up my second shot but still had a chance to chip, and then I shanked my chip shot. Uh Uh-oh. Should have been an easy 5 and made a 7. Shankopotamus. Yeah, it was a Shankopotamus there. uh one of my favorite triples in my life, actually my favorite triple in my life, because I only have one favorite, <laughs> and that is the ninth hole. I hit a couple of really good shots, but that hole with the false front—you won't know what I'm talking about—but mm-hmm. Sunday pin placement, people that love the Masters, if you miss by a ball roll, it goes all the way down in the like 30 yards off the green. Trouble. It happened to me. So uh, anyway, one uh, the the best story I can tell you. Is uh, Amen Corner. Okay. Well, before we get in there, there's snacks and stuff, right? You go into locker room and and all that. Stuff. How's yeah. the locker room? The locker room's cool. Cool. I What's mean, the, yeah. the, the I mean special? all the guys' names are on it, okay. you know, like Tiger and everything. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the they had like some snacks, you know, mm-hmm. bananas and stuff. But they have uncrustables. Ooh. And Strawberry especially grape. at the time, grape. Yeah. I That's was like. Winner. Maybe addicted to Uncrustables. I've since I've since handed that off that addiction to other things, probably. Not I mean healthy things, but not Uncrustables. Gummy bears for sure, yeah. And so I get the Uncrustable, mm-hmm. and this might be the smartest decision decision I ever had. Hmm. Most memorable Uncrustable I ever ate because I put it in the golf bag, and I took it out at Amen Corner. Okay. So I at the twelfth hole. Ate my Uncrustable before going around. Okay. Uh, and on the par three there. Okay. So has anybody else had an Uncrustable? Oh, okay, yeah. On the 12th hole. Yeah, I probably at not Augusta too many Nashville. people have, Brent. Not too Usually, many people. yeah, I'm sure it's... Because oh, a lot of folks would have got hungry and ate it at the front now.
3: <laughs> you save it for Ava Gordon. I'm going to be honest, man. I'm looking at these pictures here, and I like the ensemble that you're bringing to the table. You're rocking that nice, medium-rare shirt right now. Not too pink, but just the right amount of pink. The shoes, a little blue on the shoes, by the way. One would yeah. say a little aggressive doesn't really match, but it works for you, man. I, I, I'm proud with what you're bringing in terms of style.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a bad outfit. Not bad. I was, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm, I'm being honest. I was I'm being, in okay shape then. Yeah. Coming off football season, by the time April hits, I'm in okay shape. Who was your caddy? You're going to ask me to remember his name.
3: Well, I don't – yeah. I I mean, hey, you played at the Masters, the most distinguished golf course of all time,
0: and you can't remember the guy that carried your clubs. Well, I I have his name written down because Mm. this is one of the great things. Ty actually found this. We were cleaning out a room. And so in the next two weeks after I played Augusta National, uh, I I took a little time, and every hole I wrote Mm -hmm. down what I did, Okay. every shot. And every kind of like the uncrustable story sure. or anybody else, so I I put in the book like who my caddy was and 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 who I was playing with and and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so it's basically like a, I would say about twelve to fifteen pages, and I added some pictures to it. Man, it's awesome. But the whole point being for questions like this, when you ask me like what's his name, and, yeah. and that was like five years ago now, yeah, and I don't remember. I don't really know, remember. Man, I
3: figured you would have had a conversation with the dude,
0: but I I said in fifty years, mm-hmm. if I can look back. Now, 50, I might not make it. So maybe like 35, oh, 40. Oh, Brent,
3: you're, you're internet fasting. You're going to make it. Dude. <laughs> and, and I'm <laughs> going to see you there.
0: But if I, I want to be able to share the stories and tell yeah, the stories, yeah. like this was the time I played. Yep. And now people don't believe me in this. And, and I get it if they don't. And I'm not even sure I believe myself. But you, once you enter this lottery, mm-hmm. you can't enter it for like seven years. Yeah. So if your name gets picked. And so I haven't been able to enter it, and I haven't entered it. Uh, since. I'm not even sure I'm going to enter it again. Really? You know, like Scobie said, he's now played like Augusta a bunch of times. Sure. It kind of ruins after the first time, huh? I feel like you had this special moment and you don't want to. I had a great day. Yeah. I had an awesome day. Yeah. It was a fun day. I don't want to be comparing what I did to that day. Yeah. It's almost like it's okay if it's a standalone day. Now, what you're saying is like. I respect it you're such a moron. If, if somebody called you up right now and said, hey, you want to go play Augusta, you're not going to do it? Go yeah, make better memories, right. man. Yeah, I mean, you're that's probably a good point. Right.
3: But I can see where you're coming from, though, man. Like, the, the, that moment, obviously, it means a lot to you, and it sticks out. And, like, one would think that if you play that course again, it takes away from that first moment. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying you're crazy or anything. I can understand that. Let's just say
0: I'm at peace if I never play it again. Fair enough. How about that? I like it, man. Good enough. I yeah. like it. Uh, so anyway, we're celebrating a little local golf, but we're also talking a little football. Yeah, uh, we talked Tom Brady earlier. We talked Jags and Trey Herndon earlier. We have Russell Knox coming up in, in uh, the 530 uh, part of this hour to finish up our local sports, uh, local golf celebration. And I do want to mention a little bit of the first TNF uh, uh, North Florida Junior Golf Foundation, uh, the Action Sports Stream 18, even Women's uh, Golf Association, which is very big here in northeast Florida. So we'll hit on a couple of those topics uh, along with uh, talking to Russell Knox in just a little bit, but let's uh, let's get to Dion Sanders because I think it was a day or two ago he was active on social media. He was taking questions, and I thought some of them were pretty interesting.
3: Well, they're really interesting, and here is what I want to do because you know these are Dion. So basically, Deion Sanders said, "Hey, ask me twenty one questions, and I'll you know retweet them and then answer them." And so we'll go through some of those questions, but also, Brent, I want to ask you some of these questions myself and I'll get your take on some of these if that's it, cool. Well, Maybe I'll, I can give my take give as my well. Take on- <laughs> okay. He was just he was just gonna insert himself in the whole segment regardless. So no <laughs> yeah, problem. I, I kinda this just is, did for the first yeah, time. I mean minutes. this is this is you know, this is the golf day, so it's all about Brent Marno. <laughs> so yeah, I mean do you, you want to hear? Deion Sanders' thoughts or should we just do your thoughts the whole time?
0: I, I- you could tee it up with Dion, <laughs> okay, but then get okay. to me, please. Okay. Get to me in a hurry. <laughs> All right. So
3: the first question, um, somebody—I don't think of the names of each person on Twitter right now. Just no, nah, okay. Nah, nah. Yeah. So somebody asked him, "Who cares um, about them?" Nope. <laughs> somebody asked him, uh, "What? What? I'm sorry. What life tip would you give to be successful?" And Dion Sanders...
0: you want me to jump in on that? In a, in a
3: <laughs> second, <laughs> Dion Sanders goes, "You have a gift. Perfect it. Package it. And pray over it. And do your thing. Believe in yourself." or and nobody else will never give up. Wait, or believe in yourself, or in nobody else will, and never give up.
0: My gosh, that's Hashtag a lot of truth. life advice. That's a book.
3: Hashtag truth. Brent, what do you got for us?
0: Uh, outwork them, communicate,
3: okay. and pay attention to details. Okay. Mine is that manners will take you places farther than money ever could. Uh, Number two, Brent, best DB in the 2020 draft. Um, Deion Sanders goes, it's hard to say. He's
0: not going to not say a
3: cuda. No, he he said it's hard to say. You won't know who's who until three years from now. Some of these dudes will ball out and others won't be in the league in three years. Other than that, we're all guessing. So he didn't say Akuda. But keep in mind, though, I'm sure Deion Sanders, you know, he's been coaching guys for the Combine and stuff like that. So he's not going to not say one of his guys. right? He's not going to come out and say Akuda if he hasn't coached Akuda. So this is him just, I think, trying to make everybody happy. Ah, Okay. I think we both agree Akuda.
0: I don't know uh, if there is – Somebody there that I would predict could upset what Akuda will be. I, I think everybody's way too strong on him. Yeah. You know, this isn't like me looking at the tape. I, I, I w- You'd just be taking a flyer outside of him. The separation between Akuda and everybody else, I think, is pretty obvious mm-hmm. from what people think. Now, that doesn't mean they're right. I get it. But I don't know if we're going to find somebody that really wholeheartedly believes, without just going outside the box, that someone else is better than Akuda.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, man. Um listen. If the Jaguars take him, I'm not going to be that disappointed because I want them to take him so then they can bring the girl from heart, you know, the, the band heart, and she can sing. Ooh, <laughs> Akuda! Can you imagine once again just the money that you can make? But I, mean, I, I, I have a nonstop rolodex of uh, marketing genius. Of marketing, yeah, exactly. So I whoever, finish it off. Whoever drafts Akuda, probably Lions. Please do that. Um. Deion Sanders said, how to play multiple sports give you an advantage to being uh, able to play both corner and wide receiver at the highest level. Multiple sports gave me options in life, not advantage on the field. The advantage came from the study habits and hard work. Thinking like a receiver as well as a corner helped tremendously.
0: Listen, I I saw this one, and this is what kind of gave me the idea. Yeah. And I was like ready to go, oh, here we go, Deion. Yep. Here we go. Yep. This is like my soapbox one when it comes to this. But, <laughs> the class is but, now but, but then I had to read it again. Yeah. But because I interpreted at first as being, Oh yeah, you got to play three sports. You got to play three sports. And what I always go back to on this topic, and I'm in favor of playing three sports. That's fine. Of course. Uh, Play as much as you can. Have fun. You don't necessarily have to get a varsity letter in it. I mean, play what you want. Go play golf on the side. Go play tennis on the side. Oh, whatever you want to do. I'm all for it, man. I think the more the merrier. You're absolutely right. But I think we hear this kind of stuff all the time. This is where, this is my soapbox part of it. Okay. We hear it from the 1% athlete all the time about play three sports, play three sports. Well, you are the 1% athlete. (laughs) You are so athletic and gifted. And by the way, driven and work hard and all those other things. I'm not to take anything away, but you are so gifted that you can. But if I, Brent, the 18 year old baseball player, Want to be close to as good as you are, or close that gap? I got to work fifty times as hard. Mm-hmm. So I've got to put all my concentration into that spot sport, or most of it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I still go play golf and all those other things, but I'm I'm hitting man every day. Doesn't matter if it's spring or fall or winter, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's always been a disconnect for me. I understand what people say. Yes, uh, you should play three sports. Yes, baseball coaches a lot will say, I want the football player. He's tough, and we got a bunch of wimps over here. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Yeah, no doubt. But my point is, if you are even above average, if you want to be great and close that gap between you and the others that are great, well, there's only one way to do it, and that is outwork them and work on your craft Mm -hmm. and do something they can't. And and try to gain. I'm not saying that's going to guarantee it, but try to gain. Now, specialization didn't come in because of that. Specialization came in because of the, a lot of the wrong reasons. And by the way, as many times as parents are as fault here, I think coaches are really at fault. They just won't admit it publicly. Mm-hmm. But they subtly mm-hmm. kind of push kids to be like, hey, we need you on the football field. We need you in spring ball. We need you here in the summer. I mean, look how all our sports have become year round. Yeah. So again, this is a little bit taken out of context. Dion didn't answer it that way. But it just got me on to that, like I I always have an issue with those one percent athletes saying, hey, you gotta play three sports, play three sports. I don't think everybody can play three sports and be great at one if they want to be. Now if you want to play three sports casually and and just hey, get do it the best you can and all that's fine. Absolutely. That is absolutely okay. But if you have bigger (laughs) dreams than that, It takes a full concentration usually in that one sport, especially for the just okay kid. I'm just going to say
3: this. My problem with specialization, I mean, you you touched on some great points, but I think the point of a kid's ability to probably get burnt out if he focuses just on one sport is always prevalent, okay? Where you see it all the time where, you know, parents push their kids um, because, you know, to play whatever sport it is, and then, you know, maybe they get to college, but by the time they get to college, they're just like, dude. I'm over, man. I, I, I've been doing this my entire life with zero breaks. I never had another sport. It was just this all the time, this all the time. This is coming from a guy who wanted to be an NHL player growing up, you know, then switched over to football. So thankfully, I had a little bit of transition there. But by the time I got to the NFL, man, I was kind of the point where I'm like, dude, this football thing, I'm still having fun. But towards then, man, it was like, oof. So it's a danger zone. No exactly. Doubt. So just that's the thing with specialization. I get specialization, right? Um, it can benefit some kids. I understand that. But you got to make sure that you don't burn them out, and 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 you know, playing multiple sports allows you not to do
0: that. And I love the conversation. I just have sometimes whether it's Mike Trout or whoever now I'm putting like Bryce Harper, I don't know who said it. Mm-hmm. All these guys say it. But again, you are such a gifted athlete, man. You are one uh, percent. And again, that's not the only reason you're in the position you're in. But I think it's just such a different perspective. That's not kind of real life. That perspective yeah. all the time.
3: Somebody asked Dion, what team do you think Cam Newton and Jameis Winston will be on? Dion, they better be on a team, period. They deserve to start somewhere now. I like the possibilities of Jacksonville and New England. Oh, hasn't been following the Jacksonville Jaguars at all.
0: Wow. Cam Newton so, so, in so he said
3: Cam Newton for Jacksonville? He said Cam Newton or, or Jameis Winston. Oh, the, the, either the, the, or. the question was, what team do you think Cam Newton and Jameis Winston will be on?
0: I'm surprised you put Jacksonville in the mix. I understand that. Uh, well, I shouldn't be. I'm surprised. That, that's an okay thing if you're... It, If you're on the outside looking in, that might not be the wrong assertion, man. I mean, listen, I I think Gardner Minshew has a chance. I believe this year is about Gardner Minshew and finding out if he's the guy because you just don't want to uncover that rock. So then make it about Gardner Minshew. So make it about Gardner Minshew. I get it. But I also don't mind the folks on the outside saying, hey, you know what? If Jameis Winston can fix that, he's better than Gardner Minshew. If Cam Newton is healthy, he's better than Gardner Minshew. That's an okay opinion to have. First of all, Cam Newton has a resume that he might does. indicate it, yeah. and Winston has a lot of good despite that one glaring bad of turnovers. Yeah. You're you, you going to drive me crazy, Brent? Well, you, you I'm drive just me? saying it's a, fair opi- it's a fair opinion to have. I don't, I don't agree with it. Yeah, I think it's a fair. Opinion. How
3: is it fair? Because see, here's my point, though. It's not fair because this is Gardner Minshew's year. So either he comes out, he does his thing, or he doesn't, and then Jameis Winston or Cam Newton comes in. But then what happens next year? You're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, and that's going to be your future. So then essentially Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, back to the bench you go, because you won't be starting over a first-round pick in 2021.
0: Well, wait, 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 though. What if you you did sign – again, I'm not in favor of this – but if you signed Winston or Newton and they played well –
3: then you don't need a quarterback next year. So you're saying right now, if you sign Cam Newton, Gardner Minshew goes down, Cam Newton plays okay. And listen, let's let's be honest. Let's be generous. He plays okay. Not great, not bad, just meh. Kind of like he's done the past three or four years. So he plays just meh. You mean to tell me that in 2020 with, let's be honest, a new head coach, a new GM because the team didn't win if Gardner Minshew got benched, you mean to tell me in 2021 they're not going to draft a quarterback in the first round?
0: I think under your scenario, they would. I'm just saying, Which what is a if likely they play scenario.
3: well? The, 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 we got to keep it in perspective, though. If Jameis Winston or Cam Newton comes here, they're not going to have Pro Bowl years.
0: No, not not Pro Bowl. I wouldn't take that. I mean, I'm not sure uh, uh, Gardner Mitchell is going to have a Pro Bowl year, yet that doesn't mean I don't think he could be the quarterback of the future if he has a solid to good year. I just think, man, it, and especially I would consider this in Winston's case. If Winston comes in and, and say he came in and, and went twenty-eight and twelve, sure. Well, then your only argument would be like, well, he threw thirty interceptions at, for Tampa two no, years ago.
3: My only argument is going to be you have Trevor Lawrence in the draft coming out. Why wouldn't you take him if you have that bad a record?
0: Uh, fair enough. I, I again, I don't agree with it. I don't. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I hope the Jags aren't doing it. But I understand kind of the outside saying, hey, I saw 12 games of Gardner Minshew, and I've seen enough. Mm. There are people that can do that and figure that out and might be right. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be right. Again, the I don't know part is why I think Gardner Minshew needs to play in
3: 2020. We saw 12 games of Peyton Manning. We didn't know about Peyton Manning, man. You're a first-year quarterback. True. Okay, there's differences, man.
0: But anyway, to answer his question, I still yeah. I think New England is a likelihood, especially since they um uh they well they opened up some room with Kessler being gone. I still think the Chargers have to be in play for one of these guys. Uh, I understand they can ride with Tyrod Taylor, but if you've got grander dreams of of winning big, yeah, <laughs> I I'm not taking a flyer on on Tyrod Taylor. But again, I, there are a lot of people who like Tyrod Taylor. That's fine. What are some of the
3: traits you loved from your best coaches? Deion Sanders said tough and disciplined.
0: You'd be better to answer this. Um Yeah, I That's mean it's interesting Deion said that. I don't know. Yeah. Because think about who he played for, the coaches. Well, not only that, but he's a guy you would think when he played that almost didn't have to adhere to that because he was so talented. Yeah. that's kind of what it comes across i'm not saying he didn't yeah but it comes across sometimes with his personality that he's he's like yeah whatever i'm doing whatever i'm doing today yeah you know Uh, and that's probably an unfair thing to say but i mean i think his personality on top of his game and his swag kind of said discipline what
3: yeah (laughs) right no absolutely um if i was going to answer that question what were some of the traits that i loved from some of the best coaches i mean you know, you throw your Andy Reeds in there. Um, you know, I mean, I even think Joe Cullen, in, in retrospect, like, yeah, the guy yelled nonstop. But, like, you know, he, he brought something to the table that I still use to my everyday life. I think the answer's simple for me. It's a coach that's genuine, okay? Because when you're in the NFL, if you're a professional athlete... You shouldn't need to be motivated, okay? You're at the top of the top. You're, you're at the elite of the elite. If you need a coach to get after you and tell you to be somewhere, if you need a coach to get after you and say, go harder, run faster, study your playbook more, then... Professional sports just aren't for you, man, and it's a miracle you got there in the first place. So what I think, man, is any coach that's genuine, whether that's a coach that's going to chew you out, whether that's a coach that's going to you know, hold your hand through everything, I really don't care as long as that's who you are. Because the, the biggest thing that um, you know, drives players crazy in the NFL is coaches that put on a fake facade that you can see right through. Because I guarantee you at the end of the day, if a coach acts fake, a player will see right through that, and that's when you lose your locker room. Interesting. Um, All right, give us one more. Right, well, I thought let, the let Dion
0: conversation one. on social media had interesting
3: yeah. discussions. Man, hey, I'm trying to find a good one real quick. Um Was that it? No, I mean there's a bunch of them, but I'm trying to find like a, a really good one here. Uh What's the best? Okay, so do, 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 What NFL locker room was the most funny he said Atlanta Falcons. That's not a really good one to Um I guess he never drank or smoked. He went into a little bit. Here we go. Do you have any regrets as far as your career goes, uh, Deion Sanders? Many, many. As far as my personal life goes, I would have put more time into baseball.
0: Hmm. That's, it. That's interesting. In hindsight, he would have done that. Yeah. Were you a huge Deion fan?
3: I was. Yeah. I, I mean, I was doing the Deion high step. Yeah, man. Like the. the it's funny because like people think Mike Vick and like kind of turned the Falcons around. Well. It was Dion first, you know, like, it's like I talked about with the Miami Hurricanes stuff. Like, you know, I had two pairs of Zubas that had the Miami Hurricanes logo. Well, dude, I had like a, a I had a couple Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck t-shirts where they're just, they're rocking like the Atlanta Falcons um, stuff just because of Dion Sanders. Like, he put him over the top. So I was definitely a Dion Sanders fan growing up. It's funny because I guess I didn't really appreciate him being that young. I am just assumed like, oh, yeah, this guy's good. He plays football. He plays baseball. Like, Yeah, I'm going to do that one day. And then all of a sudden you realize like just how special that type of player is. Because Bo Jackson, you know, I came in on the tail end of Bo Jackson. I pretty much missed out on all the Bo knows stuff. So Deion
0: Sanders to me was kind of like my Bo Jackson. Very, uh, very good. I, I think, you know what? When I think of Deion Sanders, I can't help but think of Jalen Ramsey after covering Ramsey, and here's why I say it: I really this is one thing I had thought on Ramsey the whole time he was in Jacksonville. I don't know if he knew who he wanted to be, and at times I think he wanted to be Deion. Yeah, and Deion's Deion, man. I mean, you know, I and I understand kind of. My, listen, basketball players have wanted to be Michael Jordan and and Kobe Bryant, and I get it, but I almost feel like he wanted too much to be. Dion, in terms mm-hmm. of the flair, the personality, in front of a microphone, some of those things. It's one thing to be with the game, yeah, and and maybe even strive for that and be better than that. But that was just my take. I I just had that view at times that I I would kind of see Jalen do something or would be around Jalen doing something. It's like I feel like he's trying to be Dion, Whoa. and that's a little out of character. No, nobody is Dion. Dion's Dion, and, exactly. and Jalen's Jalen. And I think that got him confused at times. Uh, again, I, I'd love to. 20 years down the road, kind of do this kind of Twitter session or an interview session with Jalen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I'd be interested to hear him talk about these days. And as he was trying to find himself of who he was, I still think was one of – I don't know if it's a fault. I think we all do that. But I think he took some of the time in Jacksonville to try to find out who he was, not as a player, mm-hmm. but almost as a star athlete. When you talk about some of the greatest
3: of all time, when you talk about your Michael Jordans, your Kobe Bryants, even your Tom Brady's now, yes, they're prolific players, Brent. You know, like the best ever, obviously. But, like, their press conferences and the way they presented themselves, to me, like, they were never flashy. Like, to me, Michael Jordan was never, like, you know, check out what I'm wearing, like, look at me. To me, Michael Jordan spoke with his basketball play. Same thing with Kobe Bryant. They spoke with their work ethic. Same thing with Tom Brady. And Dion was kind of that different guy that it was almost like an MMA with Conor McGregor, right? Like he put it on a new echelon because Dion would be rocking these crazy outfits, rocking these hats and everything. He had this cocky attitude, and that worked for Dion. That's who Dion was. The problem though with the guys like Jalen Ramsey is if that's not who you are and you try to put on a facade, and you try to act like somebody, that's energy man. And and eventually like it seems cool at first, but eventually you're gonna burn yourself out. You see it happen all the time in UFC. Everyone tries to be like Conor McGregor. There's only one Conor McGregor because eventually the energy that you put in to try to hype up a fight, the energy that you put in to try to market yourself, it'll come back to bite you because it takes away from your performance in the cage or on the field. So I think it's important for players just to be themselves. You know, like Deion, Deion didn't have really a a model to go off of like, hey, I'm going to dress up like this because this person did it. No, Deion just said, this is who I am, man. Take it or leave it. It's crucial to think about that if you're
0: in the NFL. Do you know what I'm saying? Dion. Yeah. Uh, well well said. Uh, it's local golf day here on Action Sports. Jackson ESPN 690. Coming up, we're going to have Russell Knox. I do want to give a shout out, though. This is really cool. Jacksonville Women's Golf Association. Jenny Cavanaugh, thanks for the information here. But how about this? Jacks Beach Ladies Golf Association had to cancel their invitational recently. Last week, though, they had World Health Day championships. The flights were doctors and nurses. One player showed up dressed as a nurse. The winner was awarded the Tony Fauci Award of Excellence. Very good play on there. Um, and. They continue to do some fantastic things, although just like the the men's golf side, the women's golf side, from the LPGA on, on down to associations all across the state of Florida and country have had to cancel uh, a lot of events. But golf courses do remain open and uh, very busy, by the way. Uh, so a shout out to the Jacksonville Women's Golf Association. We'll hit up a couple of the other uh, local golf organizations, including one that Russell Knox is very involved in. That's coming up next. Action Sports Jaxx on ESPN 690.
3: Oh, it's cool isn't it? <laughs> Hey, we're back. That's yeah, whatever, man. We we had to bottom some stuff.
0: We had, to, we, had to, we had to squash some stuff. Welcome back, Action Sports Jacks <laughs> on ESPN six ninety. Bird No, Austin Lane, local golf day. We celebrate uh, our teams and. Our colleges, which we're going to do here on ESPN 690 in the next couple weeks and months. We already have Jackson Leisman, UNF Day uh, on Friday. We just had today is local golf day because why not? It's one of the best areas, I think, in the world for golf. And, of course, so many professional golfers as well. And this is Masters Week. It would have been the Masters that started tomorrow. By the way, my wife just sent me uh, a picture of San Francisco because we would have been there today to start the trip. Oh, man. Yeah, how about uh, that? your heart in San Francisco. I know. I would have been at the Masters Monday, Tuesday, and yep. then out to San Francisco for a little family vacation. So I wouldn't have been able to go to the Masters for the entire time. But it would have been okay this time around. That's not going to happen. I want to give some love to a couple of other organizations. Uh, just did Jacksonville Women's Golf Association, what they were doing. Uh, all the golf courses in the area, too. Uh, try to mention so many of them, including our friends at Southampton, uh, and Derek and Willie and Jim and all the fine folks over there. Also, the First Tee of North Florida. And our Action Sports Shack Stream 18 started out with so many players from the First Tee uh, that would play along with us and and along with some celebrities. Uh, You can get... And help them out by purchasing their tour card at tourcard.org. And you can play some great local golf at discounted rates and help out the first tee as well. So thanks uh, to Jeff for sending that in. We also want to give a shout out to JAGA, Jacksonville Area Golf Association, uh, for all they do for local golf as well. And that feeds right into our next guest, Russell Knox, professional golfer, by way of Scotland, lives here, of course, in the Jacksonville area, went to Jacksonville University, and he joins us right now. What's up, Russell? How you doing, man? Brian, how
5: are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well as I can do, I guess. Hey,
0: are you, are you living up to uh, that daily schedule that you tweeted out a couple weeks ago on the, uh, uh, on the home front?
5: You know, I've uh, I've had to make a few minor adjustments to it, but uh, for the most part, I'm I'm sticking to I would say sixty percent of it, oh,
0: especially the naps.
5: <laughs> I mean, I am the laziest human being. I mean, my my day doesn't really. I mean, I, I don't sleep super late. I mean, I'll wake up at seven thirty, eight o'clock. but I mean. I, Next time I look at the clock, it says noon. So, I mean, I'm I'm just amazing at passing the time, I guess.
3: Russell, I saw that you've been posting a lot of pictures with the big green egg. Now, I'm not really familiar with the big green egg. A lot of people swear by them. What makes that thing so special to cook on?
5: Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had the big green egg. We actually got it as a gift at a, a tournament in Mississippi, the Sanderson Farms, a few years ago. It was the best tournament gift we've ever, we've ever got by far. And um yeah, I mean, uh, I think the big green egg is idiot proof. I mean, I I am definitely not a chef. I mean, I I'm a okay at best cooker, and I think I'm buying a hundred so far in the in the <laughs> green egg. I mean, it just it just seems to it just seems to make the food. I mean, if you use a a meat thermometer, um, it's pretty hard to mess up. And uh, so I've enjoyed it because you can. You can do slow cooks on the green egg at kind of 200, 250 degrees, or you can get it piping hot for searing steaks or even cooking pizza. So it's definitely a a fun gadget that is great for for times like this when you're home
3: alone. All right, Russell, so let's say I come over to your house, and I want you to make me the meals of meals on the big green egg. What are you serving up? What's your specialty?
5: I I mean, I – there's a local butcher shop here to, down in Porta Vida, and they have these really good New York strips, uh, prime New York strips. So I, I like to, I uh, I have a a nice method to sear it nice, and so I would say New York strip uh, rice and beans is a, is always a, a good meal at my house, and uh, and yeah, that that's kind of my favorites.
3: Zero, zero like greens at all. I like your style, man. Zero. <laughs> yeah, the protein, no, I, I skip vegetables. The vegetables.
0: Oh yeah, protein all day. <laughs>
3: No need needs any greens. I like it. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> hey, Russell Knox
0: with his professional golfer. lives right here in the Jacksonville area. Always uh, so much fun to catch up with. And here's what he tweeted. My coronavirus routine. I'll go through it real quick. Sleep in. Make breakfast in my robe. Relax some more. Do one important job. Fire up the big green egg. Make lunch. Relax some more. Work out. Red light therapy. Relax some more. Eat dinner. Walk on beach with wife. I'm not sure you can do that anymore. Hot tub and no. shower. Norma Tech on couch. Movie. Netflix with wife. Massage chair. Sleep. Repeat no cryotherapy in there no i
5: mean unfortunately we had to close down uh during this crazy time so i've uh i've dabbled in a few cold showers and i've kind of researched <laughs> a few ice baths, and i haven't pulled the trigger on that yet but um but yeah no, no cryotherapy right now but uh lots of other recovery tools.
0: <laughs> Russell Knox with us. What do you think about the calendar that just came out for the PGA Tour? I mean, are you confident that those events will happen? Uh, you know, last time to me this this whole thing will We'll always start at the Players' Championship. I understand that's not the root of where the coronavirus started, but for us locally, we were all there, and and heck, we were spending some time with you on that Wednesday when you had Teddy Sotsky caddy for you from the North Florida Junior Golf Foundation. We had a lot of fun on that Wednesday prior to the tournament, uh, but now everything's been postponed. Do you like the look of the calendar in the second half of the year?
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of question, unanswered questions. I mean, the... The top guys there at the tour, uh, Jay Monaghan and his crew. I mean, they, they've got a very difficult task here uh, coming up the next few weeks. I mean, th- there's going to be big decisions made um, on our on our season. I mean, obviously they already have with rescheduling uh, three of the four major championships, which is which is obviously a huge deal. But um, I mean for the the normal so-called PGA Tour events. I mean, big decisions uh, have got to be made here in the next few weeks, and uh, I mean, I sure hope we can get going. I mean, we're meant to to start here, Colonial, uh, kind of uh, towards the end of May. It seems maybe slightly optimistic in my opinion, but I mean, let, let, let's hope. I mean, I think it was nice to be home. It was nice to kind of get rested, but. I mean, I think everyone is, is kind of itching to get going again.
0: Russell Knox with us here on Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. Hard to believe, man, that you've been pro since 2007 and that you you came here to Jacksonville to go to, the, to Jacksonville University back in 2003. Uh, give us a story of how you got to Jacksonville.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about that yesterday. So I'm going to talk to someone on the phone tomorrow about how I kind of got there. But, um... Yeah, I mean, it's almost been eighteen years. I mean, since since I started this process, I mean, it's uh, it's been it's been a, a wild ride. But I I joined this recruiting agency back in Scotland called First Point USA, and and they were able to get me in touch with schools in the U.S. and and to be honest, I was I was from this little small town in in Scotland uh, way up there. I just wanted to go play golf where it was warm. I'd fed up with the snow and the cold weather, so. Um uh, my dad and I came over on a on a trip to Jacksonville and and I got to fall in love with the, the coach Mike Fleming at the time and we just hit it off and Jacksonville was a cool place obviously TPC Sawgrass and all these other cool parts of the town and I I would have went anywhere I visited first just because it was so <laughs> different to me it was cool and uh I mean obviously I've I've been in Jacksonville ever since so it was a, it was a home run for me and uh I enjoyed my four years at JU, and it was definitely uh, some of the best years of my life.
3: Russell, a cool thing to see, you know, you with Twitter and everything is the fact that you're obviously making the best right now of a pretty bad situation that's happening outside, right? And one of those things that you're doing is, you know, you're posting some of your, you know, your jump roping things that you do. You go for runs and walks and things like that. So you're, you're staying in shape with, obviously, you're a professional athlete. You have to do that. But my question to you is, you're obviously a professional athlete and goals are a big part of your everyday life. So in posting these workout videos and things like that, do you have any goals in ter- terms of like w- working out, like do you want to accomplish? before this whole thing's done with the quarantine
5: yeah i mean that's a great question um to be honest i've never been a great goal center Um, and i mean obviously this is a great time for for me to kind of hit the reset button here and, and kind of evaluate my whole um whole career to be honest i mean it's been almost 10 years now on the pga tour but i'm at kind of that age and crossroads where i could go kind of either direction so it's kind of asked myself that question of like, how much do I want it? How much do I want to put in the time? And, and to be honest, that's, I mean, this kind of little break here has given me time to work out harder than I've ever worked out before. I mean, I've always been, I mean, somewhat lazy self-described. So, I mean, I've, I've played a lot of golf. I've walked a lot of miles, obviously, but I haven't quite put in as much time in the gym as as I would have liked Obviously, being at home, I I have a few things I can do here, but I've really enjoyed to kind of get on the bike and have a rolling machine and and throw around a little bit of weights that I have. So, to be honest, when this is all said and done, I I should be in the best shape I've ever been in for for a long time. So, um, I mean, looking forward for, for goals, I mean, when we get the go ahead, I mean, I'm gonna be. I should be hitting the ground running here because I'm gonna be in the best shape of have been in there in a long time.
0: That's awesome to hear. I mean, listen, you got the game, Russell Docks with us here on Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. We've seen you play so well. You're in contention a couple years back at the Players Championship, but you have had some unbelievable stretches you, you, uh, to be right there with some of the best in the world, no doubt. So you got to have that confidence. How how important at the end of the day, when when you do look back at your career, would winning a major be? Uh, does or is there a tournament that you have to win that you're like, i got to check that box. Is there anything that comes to mind for you in that sense?
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, right now I wouldn't be in a major. So, it, I mean, it'd be easy for me to say, oh, yeah, I want to win a major right now. But, I mean, may, may, that might be slightly unrealistic at this precise moment. I mean, do I think I have the potential? Absolutely. So, I mean, there's a few tournaments that if I – in, in my career that if I don't have at least another couple great opportunities to win, I'll be disappointed. And I mean, one of those obviously is the players championship in, in Jacksonville here. I, I know I can play well in that course. I've, I've proved to myself in the past and um, Hilton i up in Harbor time for the, the RBC heritage is another one. I've been close there a few times and then also um colonial in, in Fort Worth. I mean, those are the three tournaments that I kind of, as my major championships for the year. The other one would be the Travelers in, in, in Hartford, which uh, fortunately I've already won. So those are my, my kind of four big tournaments of the year that I look forward to, and I, I really know that the core suits my game, and, and I have to be kind of looking to kind of peek at those those weeks. I mean, obviously I would love to win a major, but those four PGA Tour events I think are my best chance.
0: That's a very cool answer, because I think a lot of guys, you ask that answer, oh, you gotta win a major, you gotta win a major, but that's very realistic, and I, and I know major's gotta be on the list, but that's a, that's a cool answer, and no doubt you could win right here in the backyard, man, uh, the players' championship, and hopefully that will happen uh, soon enough. Alright, before we let you go, I gotta ask you uh, two more things. One about uh, football. But uh, before I get to that, uh, Jack Oshenbach, I know is listening. North Florida Junior Golf Foundation. How important is it to you be an, an ambassador uh, and and kind of hooked your wagon uh, with Jack and North Florida Junior Golf Foundation and helping the 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 youth golf here in the area?
5: Yeah, I mean, I I got to know Jack the last couple of years now, and I mean, Jack's a legend. I mean, he uh, he's he's underappreciated for how much he does for. For local junior golf in in Jacksonville area, I mean he is he is full time all over the place. That guy deserves a medal. So uh, next time you see Jack giving a, a pile on the back for me, he he works very hard. But it's it's nice. My uh, niece and nephew are uh, are that kind of age now, where they're, they're playing in North Florida junior golf tournaments. So it, it's it's fun for me to go uh, cheer them on and and just kind of see see the kids playing and. And see how much they 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 love competing, and it, it helps me in in my game in a way. I mean, the, the kids are fearless. They they love playing. They they play quickly, which is great. And and it really has been a joy to kind of be around uh, the kids from North Florida Junior Golf. And I mean, uh, I wish I could do more. Uh, and then and hopefully as as the years go forward, here we can we can have another uh, tournament. Uh, we had a tournament, Russell Knox and friends. Uh, last year it got rained out so we didn't get to play and so there's there's a lot of things I, w- I would still love to do to to help the tour and and hopefully moving forward, we uh, I would love to be able to do that.
0: Well, you've done a great job with it, man. Uh, Russell Knox has been a great ambassador for North Florida Junior Golf Foundation. You said it about Jack Aschenbach, one of the best uh, that you'll ever meet. He helped me start the Dream 18 uh, all those years ago, uh, now a decade ago. And uh, North Florida Junior Golf Foundation, one of our recipients and, and beneficiaries for some of the dollars uh, that we make from the Action Sports Jack's Dream 18. And Russell's been a helper in the past uh, by playing on our Dream 18, too. So we appreciate him. All right, I'll let you go with this i know you love uh you're you're a jags fan right uh uh who did you grow up rooting for football wise uh there in scotland or how big of a soccer fan were you and how does your jags um fandom relate yeah i mean i was a huge soccer fan uh i mean growing up in
5: in scotland i mean football as we call it i mean that's everything i mean uh I grew up being an an Aberdeen fan, which uh, they were very marginal at best uh, growing up. So I I supported them because my next-door neighbors were older kids and they supported them. So it was cool for me to to do that. But, uh, I mean, I'm a a big Manchester United fan now. I have been for years and I like to – it's been great over the last few years here. I mean, there's so many more opportunities to watch the games on, on Saturday mornings and the coverage in the U.S. is actually very good now, so it makes it uh, easy for us Brits to to be able to watch back home. But um, yeah, I mean, as as for the Jags, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I wish um, I wish I could attend more games. I mean, it, it, it's fun to go to uh, for sure. The the atmosphere is is unlike any other kind of sporting event, I think. And uh, I mean in the last couple of years when they've they've well that one year where they had a, a great run it was really cool to see the city kind of get behind them again and uh, I sure hope uh, it can be like that moving forward
0: yeah that'd be awesome uh, Russell Knox thanks for joining us man We love having you here in Jacksonville and and uh, love that we can catch up with you I know you, you you've got enough uh, working out to do to make sure you stay in shape but go put a New York strip on that green egg and and uh best wishes to your family. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All the best. All right. That's Russell Knox, a uh, professional golfer. Went to Jacksonville University. By the way, we'll have JU Dolphins Day coming up on Friday here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He's fun, man. He's a oh, character. Yeah, and uh, Great personality. you got to love, you know, that's a high-pressure sport, right, especially when you get down the stretch. He takes uh, – you never know it with him. I'm sure he gets nervous. I'm sure but They're he's just nice. kind of a calm, cool, collected guy and, and uh, on to the next thing. Yeah, just yeah. go with the flow, man. You, you can appreciate guys like that. Yeah, he's very, I, very relatable. You know, you take these guys, and, you know, not originally from Jacksonville, the three guys we had on the show today, Russell Knox and, and Billy Horschel and Jim Furyk, but they are so much a part of the fabric of the local golf community. People know them. People see them, whether it's the grocery store, the beach, or on the golf course, uh, quite frankly. Uh, and and if you look at their resumes, they've all had stretches Some more than others. I mean, Furek's resume is unbelievable. But Billy and Jim won the FedEx Cup. And Russell Knox, when he's playing good golf, man, he is world class and uh, can be there. So all three guys, pretty cool to have him on the show today. We appreciate them uh, taking the time to do so. All right. End with a little football. All right. All right. Um, And then go out to the To the golf course, if they're open, but be safe and practice social distancing. We got to we got to share that. Yeah, the yeah. Golf courses are un- I mean, they are doing so well, but they've made accommodations where, if you look at like their, a lot of their tee sheets, they don't have as many tee times because of lack of carts and everything. Because only one person in a cart, mm-hmm. they've made the. Again, there are some critics of of golf courses being open, but there are also a lot of people playing, uh, or enough playing as long as they're practicing social distancing. So a nod to uh, the golf courses that are able to stay. Open and provide that as long as they're doing it uh, in the right way, and we'll see what happens uh, down the road with this entire situation. But to end with football, we teased a little the receivers. We talked about that in the first part of the show. Mm-hmm. You take Judy Ruggs and lamb and lamb mm-hmm. what's next? What if those guys go where the jags don't want to take them? we well, say they go somewhere between ten and, and nineteen, but the jags still are interested in receiver at twenty. Or maybe they trade back to twenty-five somehow, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they can come up in early second round to number thirty-five and and get a receiver they like. You know, Justin Jefferson out of LSU is a guy that Daniel Jeremiah yep, uh, mocked to the Jags. Mm-hmm. Who else is in that category? Yeah, and yeah. anybody to get us excited. Well, you know, obviously,
3: I mean, we we broke down T. Higgins um, last week, and that's a guy that I like a lot. You know, he's six-four, uh, probably like around two twenty. A guy that can go up there and get the ball. Actually, I watched a highlight tape of his last night. And, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. Side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's six four, You know, and listen, I'm, I'm such a hypocrite, right? Because I always say take the preconceived notions out of football. A quarterback should look like this. A defensive end should weigh this much and look like this. No, nah, man, you don't win games like that. You win games by taking chances and going against the grain a little bit, a la the Kansas City Chiefs and the receivers that they acquire. Well, T. Higgins, though, man, listen, you can teach route running, you can teach the ability to get off a of press coverage, but you cannot teach six four, and you you cannot teach the ability to go up and get the ball. And T. Higgins has that. So obviously, you you know where I stand. I, I I'm a huge supporter of T. Higgins. Um, you know, another guy like we mentioned too, uh, those big body guys. Chase Claypool, a guy who won you the senior bowl draft, uh, you know, our fantasy draft that we had just because he had a great senior bowl. This guy's 6'4", 240, built like a tight end, plays like a wide receiver, can do a lot of things with him. But obviously, once again, a guy that has the ability to go up and get the ball. Now, they're saying possibly a first or second round grade on him. I think he ran a 4'4", or a 4'5", so he's got the speed as well, man. And anytime you can mix speed with, once again, I get it. Don't have preconceived notions what wide receivers look like, but guess what? You cannot teach the height, and he's six four man. I like that a lot as well.
0: What about the kid out? of uh, – It's Arizona State, right? The AOC Kid. Yeah. Another. 5'11", yeah. yeah. He's, he's on the shorter side. The uh, shorter side guy, yeah. though. So you kind of like. Uh, I don't know. I want you, you kind of. I don't want a pigeonhole. No. But I feel like what you're saying is kind of on. You know, it's like. Yeah, give me 6'3", give me 6'4", give of me something or, different or listen, than what they've
3: got. I mean, if you do take a guy that's kind of what they got, then you take the C.D. Lamb, you take the Judy, who, you know, I mean, they're, they're on six one six two, but, you know, these, these guys might be special. Dyna- exactly. Yeah. Then you take them there. But I'm just saying, if you don't want to risk it for the biscuit in the first round and take, or at least, you know, with that number nine pick and take a wide receiver and wait till number 20 or later in the draft, then you look at those guys like Claypool, then those guys like T. Higgins.
0: Yeah, and the guy that keeps coming up to me that a lot of people will bring up is Denzel Mims, Mm -hmm. uh, the Baylor kid. Um, And even, uh, you know, can you get some value out of Michael Pittman, who, by the way, is a 6'4 guy? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see. I feel like there's a solid uh, uh, difference between Lamb, Judy, Ruggs, and the rest. And I'm not even as convinced as Ruggs. I think everybody just wraps up in the Tyreek Hill stuff. Yeah. That he's so fast and just blown away by speed. But isn't that a danger zone like Al Davis and the Raiders for
3: all those years? Yeah. I mean, it was an issue for the Bengals when, when they got Ross. Obviously, you know, he was the fastest guy. Then I think he has the fastest 40-yard dash time right. ever, you know. And obviously, um, that hasn't correlated to success in the NFL it's always a risk but once again you can't teach 4 seven right and if you could put that on the field yeah someplace just you know the thing with Ruggs is obviously 511 188 pounds a smaller guy but if you just get him in the ball in and space and, and to me that's probably where the NFL's made the biggest transition maybe even in the past decade is the fact that these offensive-minded coaches now your Andy you your Doug Peterson's your're Sean Payton's, they find you ways to get a you know to, to go ahead and Catch a ball, whether it's out of the backfield, whether it's as a running back, whether it's in a slot, whether it's on the outside as an X or Y. Like they will find you a way to get the ball, and if you're Henry Ruggs, you're on a four-two-seven. You gotta like that.
0: Yeah, uh, hot or cold uh, with the receivers in this draft. Well, there's some hot names, but it cools off, I think, after that first level uh, quite a bit. Thanks to Bold City Heating and Air uh, for hot or a cold draft segment as the stock continues to rise or fall on some of these players as we get a couple of weeks away from the 2020 NFL draft. Bold City Heating and Air—they are there for you even in these difficult times. It's getting hotter outside. These tomorrow's supposed to be really hot uh, in Jacksonville. If you have any problems with your AC unit, give Bold City Heating and Air a call. Call 904-379-1648 or visit them at BoldCityAC.com. As for the Jaguars and receiver, we've had the conversation a lot. I still can't convince myself that they're going to take a receiver in the first round. Yet I have such a problem internally with this because I feel like it's the one position that if they do get one of those guys it makes them different than they've been. Mm-hmm. If they get a defensive tackle, well, they've had defensive tackles. If they get an offensive tackle that's special, well, maybe that's been a long time now. Uh, so maybe you could argue, but we just don't notice that. If you go get a corner, well, we've seen corners. What we, don't, what we haven't seen this team have is a dynamic passing offense. You could argue a little bit with A-Rob and Hearns, but you know there are questions about the quarterback. Go you know, back to the Jimmy Smith days to find a dynamic passing offense. If they do grab a receiver in round one, it could make them that way.
3: Without a doubt, man. keep in mind, too, you got to help your cash cow. You, you, you have to help the most important part of your football team. And that's Gardner Minshew. Getting wide receiver in the first round, it helps Gardner Minshew.
0: Ah, I'm wrestling with it. I go back and forth on it. Hey, thanks for helping celebrate local golf in the area today on this Masters Week. So I guess we'll leave you with this. If you do hit him, hit him straight. And make all the putts for Austin Lane and Coos. And thanks to Russell Knox, Billy Horschel, Jim Furyk for stopping on by. I'm Brett Morton. We'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.